Hello, everybody. Welcome, welcome back to the Talk Until the Joy Is Gone podcast, the first episode of 2021, and probably one of the first podcasts you'll listen to, especially if ours is the only podcast you listen to this year. Um, in case you didn't get from my musical interlude, this is all about The Mandalorian, season one. So if you're not a fan of The Mandalorian and two Damn. nerds, <laughs> yeah, two nerds who are old enough to know better gushing about Star Wars, this probably isn't a podcast for you. So, uh, yeah, if you're still here, hi, I'm Rooney. <laughs> Sat across from me nerding out as well is... Uh, uh, I don't know, Baby Yoda. Baby Yoda. <laughs> I completely forgot to come up with one this week, so you're supposed, you to, be, you're supposed to be rebranding yourself this year. I will. I got a first name. I just got to figure out what a surname. I got a first name, and I've got an AKA. I just need to figure out what a surname is. Can't, and then can you just like done. Can you just like do a do a prince or or whatever, and just just have the one name, <laughs> no yeah, surname. But, but the first name is it's not like a. It's more of a, it's just like a generic name, really. It's, uh, so it's, if I just go by whatever it is, people will be like, who the fuck is that? I need a surname. I need a surname to make it catchy and make it memorable. (laughs) I just can't figure out what that surname is yet. So it's going to be Davy Dildo, is going to be your new name. (laughs) Davy Dildo. That's not a bad one. People won't ever forget that, will they? No, but can you also imagine introducing yourself in polite society? Hi, I'm Davy D. I'm D- a Davy D. Uh, what does the D stand for, Mister D? <laughs> Dildo. What else? <laughs> if you've seen that name... below, you'd understand why. It's it's got. <laughs> it's so it small. Da- I have to wear a strap on. <laughs> I was gonna say it should be Davy S. Davy B. Davy P for prosthetic. Um... <laughs> <laughs> It has to be something has to be something you can use on, on some of the more sensible projects that you plan to be working on. Yeah, uh, yeah, and that's why I'm having so much trouble. This is why I'm having trouble, yes, I can imagine. Because it needs to be memorable and sense and sensible, <sighs> yet still fit in, in the world of touching. It's it's a complicated thing rebranding yourself. I just I mean, I wouldn't know I did it once in my late teens and that was it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I just well, kind of stuck in it. <laughs> I I thought you were mad, but the world has evolved to a point where I'm like, he was this, he was smart before his time. <laughs> a lot of people questioned it. <laughs> yeah. But now it's just kind of, no, no, yeah, I see what you did there. Yeah, I was ahead of the game, mate. See? Oh, way ahead. Of, years ahead of the game. Yeah. I was using pseudonyms before it was cool, kids. <laughs> yeah. Protecting his identity like a smart motherfucker. Smart motherfucker. Um, I I didn't have anything prepared for the for our introduction today because i've been terribly lax and well we had a lot of notes to write we had a lot to watch yeah. and a lot of notes to write and not really a lot of time to do it i got 22 pages of notes so should we just skip the intro and just go straight into the episode i, th- I think we probably should because um my trivia is only eight points okay. and they are, they are very very two word points each of them you can probably okay. figure out what they are so <laughs> my trivia like, obviously, this is the Mandalorian season one, because although we've covered it extensively by accident in previous episodes, usually after watching 
an episode of season two. In fact, I think by you're like ac- by accident. <laughs> but it wasn't by chaos. design. It, it, it wasn't by not, design. Not by you. <laughs> no, it's, yeah, I'd like to be current people. at some point. So <laughs> <laughs> cultivated chaos. I'm telling you, cultivated there's a reason chaos. for everything. It was just because you were nerding out and needed someone you could talk to about it. Yeah, plus I like <laughs> I want to be current. <laughs> At some point I want to stop being like in nineteen eighty they released this film that's offensive to all of you. But we're gonna cover it because we still cover. like it. Yeah. Fuck you guys. <laughs> that's <Yeah>. why. <laughs> Hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. I know for a fact that there is a planned new series. Which deals with something that started in like 1987. It's not particularly current. <laughs> no, but when it's released and we talk about it, we will be current. I mean, we're, we're current anyway, because, you know, well, at least we are at the moment. We're relatively current. Yeah. Because we're alive and, and actually making these episodes now. <laughs> Only just so, alive. I'll, I'll track my thumb. <laughs> Well, I trapped my finger, and then because I'm an idiot, I went back for more and trapped my thumb in a, in a mouse trap yesterday. So, and it still hurts now. Yeah. I'll let you recover because it's, it's clear you want to say something. Oh my gosh, what the fuck is wrong with you? Nothing. Sorry, I had a mouthful of monster, and all of a sudden, yeah, yeah, I trapped my finger and then my thumb in a mouse trap. Like, yeah. Are you living in a fucking Looney Tunes cartoon? Listen, I woke up. I was like, I'm still ill now, but I was ill yesterday. I had a sore throat. Didn't feel well. And then my mum's like, there's a rat in the fucking garden. It's chewed up all the shit in the shed. So she disappeared out and come back with these fucking 1900 rat tra- uh, mouth traps. Like I'd never even seen one in real life before. I was like, it's wow. It's a victory this- one. I don't know. Yes. Yes, they are like the only mousetrap manufacturer anyone's ever seen. Yeah. And they've been using the same fucking design since, like, seriously, since, like, the fucking 18th century or something. Yeah, I saw her fiddling with it, and I thought, this is dangerous. This is this is too dangerous for her. <laughs> I, I'm going to have to step in and do it. So I'm fiddling with it, trying to figure out how it works. It goes, it catches, like, the, the top knuckle on my index finger. <laughs> and that, that broke the skin, but it only really hurt for about 60 seconds. And after that, I was like, it's fine. I'm a man. I can carry on. So I'm trying to set it up. And then it just randomly goes off. And it caught, like, the tip of my thumb. Like, right on there now. Like, the it still hurts. This is, like, 24 hours ago. And I'm still in fucking pain now. <laughs> Even though, like, I, I had to, like, heat the needle, stab my thumb now to, like, release the pressure. And have you never... You never no. had to do that? Well, when, no. yeah, when you get, like, a... What do they call it? Oh, there's a really racist name. It is really, a blood blister is the, is the phrase you're yes, looking for. Yes, that's the one, because I'm, I'm not going to use the really <laughs> racist term. Um, but it all, it all comes under your, under your thumb, and it's the pressure of the blood on the now that really causes the pain. So you have to heat a needle to sterilise it, and then stab through the now to release the pressure and get... Yeah. The I was, trying, I was there I was there heating the needle, trying to stab myself for about 10 minutes, and I couldn't do it. Eventually, I was just like, Mum, and I had to just be there. And she just had to stab me with it because I just every time I got through and it started burning, I was just like, "Pussy, pulled it out." <laughs> you really need someone else that can't feel the pain to actually do it for you. Jesus, I've never heard of that before, and yeah, I just, don't think I'll be doing that because fuck that. <laughs> don't give yourself a blood blister because it's it's not fun. 
Don't play with mousetraps, clearly. Yeah. I wouldn't mind the second time when I was in agony. I was screaming at her like, why didn't you just fucking get poison? What the fuck? So she's like literally instantly gone on Amazon. She's like, don't worry. I ordered poison. And I was like, good. These things are fucking archaic and stupid. <laughs> oh, well, that's brightened my morning no end. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's just like freaking Baby Yoda featuring jackass. <laughs> yeah. Just. I don't. I just don't ever use a mousetrap. They're fucking dangerous. I anyway, haven't seen one in years. Actually, thinking about it, I'd like to go yeah. and buy one just to see how difficult it is. <laughs> it's not difficult. It it's, it works. It's a simple mechanism. Only the quality of the of the of the trap is is such that it only sets up properly. Like every ten times you try it, the other ten <laughs> times it just sets itself off. So I I was there fiddling with it for ages trying to set it up. Got it all set up took it put it in the shed or the garage had it right where i wanted it and just as i'm putting it down boom <laughs> comes catches my thumb i was screaming the fucking street down <laughs> oh i'm sorry i missed that yeah. <laughs> next right. time i do it i'll i'll film it and we'll put it, it on yeah. patreon yeah <laughs> idiots with mousetraps the video it just <laughs> That's, that's gonna be that's gonna be a new podcast. I'm just yeah. gonna make like this. It'll be a vlog. We'll, yeah. we'll put it up on YouTube. We'll finally get some some proper content on our YouTube, and it'll just be you trapping your fingers in things. <laughs> and then oh. after about six episodes, you'll have to come around and set things up for me in future because I won't have any fucking fingers left. And then we can start up a, a GoFundMe to get you some prosthetic yeah, fingers. fingers. Yeah. <laughs> we're gonna do that i'd rather have just like a a proper luke skywalker hand so hand off of the wrist yeah. <laughs> oh right <laughs> um so um yeah we decided uh we would do the whole of season one yeah um, this episode so uh strap yourselves in because we can kind of shine away from doing entire seasons of things so far yeah it's always like oh we'll just pick a couple of episodes and we'll do that but it's just what is, there's only what there's only like, eight episodes yeah and they're all like 40 minutes long so it's it kind of it was like conceivable it wasn't the end of the world to do an entire series a season series yeah. we're English, in one yeah. go yeah so uh my very brief trivia the the mandalorian season one has eight episodes called the mandalorian the child the sin sanctuary the gunslinger the prisoner the reckoning and redemption that was my trivia. <laughs> that was it. I have I have littered there's various bits of trivia within yeah. the, my actual notes. Um, and I'll probably go off on one when something reminds me and sparks one of my knackered synapses into recalling something. So in in honor of linear notes, we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna try and take this chapter by chapter. Yeah. That's I, 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 I did warn this. Baby Yoda um beforehand that although I have done mine episode by episode as well, I have some notes which refer to the series as a whole, just as they occurred to me. So, Oh yeah, I've got, there's some like in each chapter, there's probably one that really kind of like, Oh, this is the moment that the series did this, or this is the, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's some overarching notes, but they're all 
because of certain points and certain episodes where I'm like, oh, okay, so that explains that, or we'll get to it at some point. But we'll get yeah. to it, yeah. So, chapter one. Um, the first few shots of this episode encapsulate the premise of the show perfectly. One man, alone, and surrounded by cold desolation. Yeah. I just... That- if you ever needed to give someone the entire premise of a series in 30 seconds of shot, <laughs> they've now yeah. yeah, that that whole first that whole first scene it it kicks off the series by touching on some of the key motifs of the series. Yeah, tension, Disney safe violence, uh, a fascination with the Mando's armor, collecting bounties, and new locations. These are oh, got- key things that sort of are integral to the series yeah. and are just all touched on in that first cantina scene yeah my note says the open opening scene is a fun introduction to the protagonist beskar bounty hunting and what i'm assuming is the outer rim it is also a nice nod to the fact that the loudest person in the room is rarely the wisest or strongest <laughs> if you need to prove it you've already lost i, I love the fact that you, you like I heard Joss Whedon somewhere once say that his original idea for Firefly was that Captain Mal was going to be cold as ice, like mm. literally have no love in his heart. And by the end of it, he was going to have like become a more for three dimensional human being because yeah, of yeah. the crew around him. I feel like in a way that plays out in the first three episodes of series one, when we first meet the Mandalorian, He's mm. cold. He's not talking to anyone. He's just, he's there. He's purely on business. And then I love the, I love the um, chemistry of like, he comes in, doesn't say a word. He's just there to do his business. He's not trying to impress yeah. anyone. He's not trying to prove himself. And then all the other people in the bar are just like, oh, hang on. We're not top dogs anymore. We better go and try and put this guy in his place to try and show yeah. that. And it all just backfires on him. <laughs> I, I love that. Um, he, he channels uh, he's channeling boba fett very hard in the first yes. that first episode because you look at fett's on-screen appearances he just Quiet. walks around quietly menacing has a few you know a few very very few lines um and just is walks around a bit looking awesome and okay as we see din does more than just walk around looking awesome he actually beats up like yeah. all those people in the bar and chop someone in half with an irising door, which I thought was a great introduction. (laughs) It's just like no messing. This is everything you need to know about him. Yeah. Really. You learn in this one scene. It's very cleverly put together. Um, Mm. The sea tremor is pretty cool. (laughs) It looks like just a really, looks like a hybrid between a, a, a fucking, what do you call it? Uh, walrus and an alligator it it looks like a tremor that's what it looks like it looks like a tremor it does or it comes out and just like it comes out like a tremor or a a sandworm or something but when you actually see it it looks like it looks like that the illegitimate offspring of an alligator and a fucking walrus it's just like just very very angry and ugly ugly as balls oh yeah (laughs) there aren't many I don't know. I suppose everything doesn't. Nothing in the Star Wars universe looks cute once you've seen Baby Yoda. Oh, sorry, Grogu. We're going to start using his wrong name. I only refer to him as Grogu, and I complain when people refer to him as Baby Yoda. I 
I obviously I called him Baby Yoda until I found out his name, and then yeah. since I found out his name, but people, yeah, people still insist on Baby Yoda, and it's like people. I stop. told you his name now. Stop being a dickhead. <laughs> stop being a dick. We know his name. You don't just have to refer to him as the child, which even yeah. I will admit is slightly clunky. Yeah, and it gets confusing in my house because I often refer to the commander as the child. Yeah. So yeah, it's like, who am I referring to, Grogu or my actual son? Who's my favourite, Grogu or my actual son? It's just, you know, it's all up in the air. It's all to play for. The commander's got more monikers than Jay-Z, I swear. Um, <laughs> I feel like the scene with Mando and the bounty... I feel like the scene with Mando and the bounty in the cockpit where the bounty keeps trying to engage him only to oh, yeah. get ignored is like my relationship with the world for the past few years. <laughs> <laughs> the blue fish man. Yes, that's it. It's like yeah. it's like he's constantly just trying to engage him in some kind of conversation. Constantly like, come, be a part of this. And Mando yeah. just ignores him. Yeah, that's me right. in the world. I mean, uh, Blue Fishman, he's the, the first person the first member of the exposition family that oh, we yeah. meet in this in this series. Um however, it's a very big family and members of it live all across the galaxy, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> I got it's I like, got a note on that later, but yeah, they're, they're all they're all related to Basil Exposition. That's yeah. that's my uh, and there's there's an obscure reference, guys. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, I like his character. I do oh, also I like that. Like um, we should probably have like warned people. Obviously, there's massive spoilers for season one. Don't oh, yeah. Um, but there's also spoilers for season two because we have completed watching that. So if you haven't seen season two, stop listening right now. Do it! Okay. <laughs> they should be gone by now. So, Hopefully. obviously, um, Blue Man, Blue Fish yeah. Man, comes back, obviously, in season two, yeah. which I thought was a nice touch and got flashed. I don't know whether that was planned because I know a lot of the, the, the reappearances and, and stuff like that, recurring characters, were planned. But I don't know if he was or whether he was just like a, a pop, surprisingly like a popular. Favorite. Yeah. Yeah. Because they are known for doing that. So it wouldn't surprise me. Either way, I liked seeing him back. He was pretty cool. Actually Me doing too. something rather than just spending a few minutes on screen and then getting shoved into uh, carbonite. Yeah. <laughs> um, the trauma on the stormtrooper armor is a very nice touch. Oh, what the grubby local troopers! Yeah. yeah. You've owned like our experience of troopers, especially in this time frame of the Star Wars universe, is like mm. neat, white, fresh. Everyone looks like they've never been in battle before, but then suddenly. Like the empire has fallen, and there's like a an imperial war or whatever they want to. They give them different names throughout the whole thing. Yeah. But he's there, and he's got his like few loyal troops that are still with him. But yeah. they haven't been able to go back to a starship or do anything other than live in this dirty, dusty town. So they've got that worn. They, they look worn and nasty. They, yeah, they look more menacing because of it. They do. Yeah, I think the fact that they talk more as well. Yeah. Because we, we hear probably in the, this first, well, in this first season, we hear more dialogue from Stormtroopers than we yeah, have ever done before. Yeah. ever before. Because And you get more personality from them. Yeah. Previously, it was all very sort of, it was all very succinct. The lines were quite dry. Apart from that one bit on the Death Star where they're talking yeah. about the, the speeders. The rest of it, it was all you know, very sort of like perfunctory, responding yeah. to orders or giving orders. Here you actually get to hear them talking, um, particularly the scout troopers 
in episode in episode I, seven or eight, which I, I have. We'll get I to them when we get that, to yeah. them. Um, but yeah, you actually get more, and you get they they do come across as more menacing. Not only do they look more menacing, but they talk more menacing as well because you can yeah. tell that they're not happy at the situation they're in, and they yeah. are feeling more aggressive. I also I really like the fact that they aren't all using E11s. If you, the blasters they're using, obviously, yeah, yeah, standard yeah. stormtrooper is an E11. Um, what is it? The E22 is the double-barreled one yeah, yeah, that yeah. we first saw in Rogue One. You see yeah. a couple of troopers in this using it, and the pistols, the little yeah. uh, repeater pistols, the SC14, I think they're called. Um, they were originally made. See, this is why I didn't put trivia at the beginning. Yes. They were originally made for A New Hope, those pistols. Okay. And a lot of there was promo artwork done featuring stormtroopers posing with those yeah. pistols. In fact, just over <coughs> there, hanging on the wall, I have a big canvas of a stormtrooper posing with that. Yeah. And that was all yeah. the pre-release artwork. But it wasn't actually used in any of the films and was only brought back for Expanded Universe stuff. And obviously now this. Yeah. Um, there you go. <laughs> My next note kind of plays into the old Stormtrooper thing. After so many years of clone troopers and first order troopers, seeing old school Stormtroopers is amazing, right? Yeah. And seeing them actually doing stuff. I've got nothing here. I love the clone troopers, don't get me wrong. Oh, yeah. They are my favourites. Seeing old school Stormtroopers actually running around, like, doing stuff is it's, it's heartwarming in a weird it way. One of, it was one of, one of my favourite things about Rogue One was you yes. got to see Stormtroopers out there doing soldiery, troopery type stuff. Yeah. I mean, most of the time they are getting their asses handed to them, but that's yeah. kind of what they're for. You know, like like Terry Pratchett says in the opening to Guards, Guards, their job is to rush in and be defeated by the hero one at a time. Yeah. Um, and that's basically what Stormtroopers do. They perfectly encapsulate that. But, yeah, seeing them, them here looking grubby as hell, being all angry and shit because yeah. they were in a big war when they lost... Yeah. Um, it was really nice to see. I kind of, it's probably more plays out towards the end, but as I'm watching it and I'm seeing that the stormtroopers are getting fleshed out a bit, I don't know. This could just be me. I could this could be my weird brain doing a weird brain thing. <laughs> but it kind of it kind of brought brought to me this idea of like the Roman army, because the Roman army weren't all Romans, were they? They were like conscripted conscripted and yeah, they were yeah. people that they and they kind of they were trained as roman soldiers but they were also doing it for a paycheck mm. so you see them when rome's on top and rome's really good and everything's great soldiers are fine the soldiers are happy but as rome starts falling or as they start losing battles you see like you can just imagine that they're like oh hang on a minute i'm not getting paid enough for this this yeah. is good and they start getting grumpy and that's the kind of feeling i got with the stormtroopers it's like yeah. oh when the empire ruled this was an easy paycheck like yeah. we barely ever had to do anything but now all of a sudden we're actually having we lost the war <laughs> we're not the power anymore oh shit like i need the money but uh i'm not sure i want to be doing this anymore. yeah you very much get the impression that they're kind of they're with uh what's his name do we ever get a name for for the client no no i don't, I don't think so no uh, you, you kind of get the impression that the only reason they're with him is they're kind of congregating around the, this last outpost of like imperial power because power, they've got yeah. they've got nowhere else to go unless they want to go off and become a fucking mud farmer or or bounty hunter or something um they're like well 
I can do this here. I'm I'm fed. You know, I'm still being oh, paid, and it's like uh, yeah, it's I'm a bit still shit, doing, But like, what I've else do I know? To, yeah, I've been trained to do this one thing, and I can either hang around with matey, who's still clearly has some power, and do the thing I'll train for, or I could just go and find something. No, fuck it, I'll just stay here. I'll just stay here. Yeah. I think um, said about the the the, the local stormtroopers it's one of one of the things that the, the series introduces yeah. um it's, it's new spins on things that we're already familiar with yeah mostly mostly stuff from the other live action films obviously um but one of my notes on this is the grubby local stormtroopers yeah. that we see on navarro um the the ubiquitous cantina or, yeah. or facsimile thereof, because so much of this, so many of the meetings and important oh, discussions yeah. take place in some form in of cantina. cantina. Yeah. Um, and the first one that leapt out to me was the different speeder models. Yes. Because the first one we see within minutes of, of the first episode starting is very clearly based on Luke's, yeah. uh, what is it, T15? Yeah. That he has on, on Tatooine. And it's like, ah, oh, that's clearly like, it's, it's like the, the, the newest ford mondeo sort of thing you know yeah. it's the new model sort of thing and yeah it does that with a lot of things throughout there and you, little references it's like oh yeah that, that looks just like that thing from before <laughs> um so this is probably going to be the lamest note anyone's ever going to say when discussing <laughs> the mandalorian but it's the thing that made me love it second I, well it was the thing that that won me over because obviously the first time i watched this i didn't like it it wasn't until I watched it again the second time that I fell in love with it. But one of the things I did appreciate about that first watch was how authentic the look of the show is mm. in relation to the original trilogy. It was like, there's this thing that's revered, regardless of what anybody else does in the rest of the timeline, the rest of anything, <laughs> these three, three films are revered. So mm. the obvious thing to do would be just to go back and play in that time frame play that make it look like that evoke all them nostalgic memories of the original trilogy and they do it so well so so well the 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 star wars universe has always looked lived in yeah but a lot of the locations we see in this series they they just look absolutely knackered they've really taken that and if you know tatooine was the 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 raggedy edge of the civilized universe and some of these locations they've gone beyond that you know they're, yeah, yeah. they're at the back end of beyond sort of thing they are really the, the dregs of society sort of thing that's one of the things that really jarred me about the prequels was just how good everything looked and how nice mm. everything looked and like in retrospect it's like oh obviously the whole galaxy is not gonna look run down there are gonna be some yeah. nice parts um but everything just looked so good that I was suddenly like, this doesn't really. Yes, it's Star Wars. Yes, they got lightsabers. Yes, <laughs> but I feel like, yeah, I feel like how comes everything was really nice before we get to a point where it's really <laughs> shit. But, I've, um, I've had this. I've had this discussion with several people over the years. Me, uh, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I've definitely had it with yeah. you. Um, the, I think the point of the prequels, the reason they all look so shiny, is they show the other side of the galaxy. The, the whole point of it was that the, 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 the prequels, sorry, not the sequels, the prequels yeah. showed, were trying to show this kind of golden age. It was all shiny and sleek yeah. and everything was ooh, high tech. But we were also focused on 
the higher strata of society. Yeah. You had the Jedi, the Senate. You were on Coruscant, but you were at the top end of Coruscant. You yeah. weren't worried about the you know, low lives down at the bottom. The lower levels, yeah. Yeah, you were dealing with the the, the, the the ruling elite sort of thing of society. I don't know why I'm waving my hand over here because it's off camera. And yeah, yeah <laughs> it's off camera. And this is an audio only um, format Experience, for, for yeah. everyone except you. So, um, yeah. And then obviously, like you look at the rebellion and they're, they're, they're living in the seedy underbelly. Yeah. And this whole thing takes place in the seedy underbelly. The sequels just didn't know what the fuck they were doing uh, no. or where they were. So I just ignore them anyway. But on that, um, on that, because he just reminded me, I heard this. I saw I watched this YouTube video the other day. And this guy was saying that they're going to bring out, in, like, not till 2023, but they're bringing out a four-hour cut of The Rise of Skywalker that's a lot more in line with what George Lucas wanted to do with it before, obviously, it got mangled. Um, yeah. But one of, the sh- well, one of the new shows is called The Acolyte. Yeah. Yeah. So apparently, in the original version of The Rise of Skywalker, the Dark Acolyte plays a part and he's there in the culmination, like in the big final battle, he's there yeah. playing a part. But it all got cut out. So huh. it, they're doing a four-hour version. George Lucas is reshooting certain bits and he's doing certain things now to put together this four-hour version that's a lot more true <laughs> to like what he wants to do. But they're saying as well that they're going to, because they're doing this reshoot thing, they're going to obviously build more links between the new TV shows yeah. and the sequel trilogy. I'm not sure There's, how I feel about it, but there are, there are so many rumors doing the rounds at the moment that they're going to use the Mandalorian and all of these new spin-off yeah. shows to effectively wipe the sequels out. Yeah. I've heard, I've heard this from so many different sources that, you know, they realized they totally screwed up with the sequels. So now they're going to basically make the sequels legends basically like the old eu they can say yeah. oh yeah but that didn't really happen and push that to one side and that basically use this to remake it that happened in universe two not universe one <laughs> yeah because star wars multiverse is now yeah. a thing <laughs> i just I mean, to be honest i would be perfectly happy with that because i would yeah, much rather see stuff in the vein of what we've seen so far um than you know, what we actually got with the sequels. I think I did say this on an episode a few weeks ago that I just, if I was in that Disney office and I had the power, I would, I would just scrub all three of them films from history. I'd stop selling the merch. I'd stop streaming them. I'd just stop and hope that at some point they died out and there's no copies left in the world. Wait wait until it becomes something like the holiday special. Yeah. And then bring it back and be like, remember that? Remember that misstep we took that everyone can laugh at now? Yeah. Remember when everyone was angry? Yeah. Yeah. 20 years from now, I go, oh, yeah, look, here you go. It's a box set of that shit that we did. (laughs) And then you can do like, have you seen on um, Disney Plus, they have the Lego Star Wars holiday special? Um, I haven't actually watched it, but I did see it. I haven't watched it yet. No, it's on my list of things to watch before I go back to work. Um, But I thought I thought that was brilliant because obviously, like Lucas hated um, the holiday special. And to the point where obviously he recalled all copies of it and ordered them destroyed. And for a lot of years had, you know, people actively searching for for people selling it so they could be bought off of them and destroyed. Um, And now. Disney, Disney have taken it over, and they're like, "Hey, you know what'll be funny? 
let's do a Lego version of this thing that everyone hated so much. <laughs> you think we fucked up with the sequels? But just remember, <laughs> Lord Lord Lucas, he fucked up as well once. Yeah, the funny so thing is, right, there. there is a direct reference to the holiday special yeah. in The Mandalorian. Obviously, his uh, plasma rifle thing, yeah. electrocuting people with the prongs. I mean, not only is the design taken from the rifle that Boba Fett uses in the holiday special, yeah. but the electrocuting people with the prongs is straight from Boba oh. Fett in the holiday special. It's like, <laughs> yeah, you hated it, but we're still going to steal all the references from it. <laughs> You've heard of a reboot. This is called a retcon. Watch how we make it cool again. Um, God, yeah, I just think, like, I'd understand if they didn't make their money back on the sequels and they were like, no, we need to keep them out there long enough that we can get their money back. But yeah. they've made so they've much more money it. than they spent on that. So at this point, like, even if they did scrub it entirely, they've not lost anything. And no. at the end of and at the end of all these new shows they're doing and the other shows that are bound to come out of this new this new era in uh, Disney Plus, mm. you could then base a new sequel trilogy on all the characters that we've fallen in love with over time. Grogu could play a big part. Ahsoka could come back. The Mandalorian could play his role. Boba could play a role. Like all of these new characters you're seeing could then be used for the sequel trilogy because they have history. They everyone's like knows them. Everyone has a place in their heart for yeah. these characters rather than coming in and being like, we've got to create a whole new cast and then use the old cast and we've got yeah. to do this. Oh, it's bullshit. But <laughs> I just but think we're not was... in charge at Disney, unfortunately. So no, if I was, mate, Kathleen Kennedy, present for the rest of her life. <laughs> um, um, we, we we said about I said about the the reference to the holiday special. There are a couple of other uh, references that I really liked that, that stood out yeah, fairly early on in the, the series. Okay. Um, the first one was seeing all the all the bounties on board yeah. the Razor Crest frozen in carbonite. carbonite. Yeah, that was a really really nice reference. Um, the the frozen in carbonite thing is used a uh, couple of times throughout stuff that's been released since Empire, obviously. Yeah. Um, because in Empire, it's it's implied that it, that's not a normal way of doing things. No. But then that kind of Star Wars kind of were like, hey, we like that. That's pretty cool. Let's run with that. People I mean, it's like a whole. That. People love. People liked it. Yeah. Yeah. There's a there's a whole event that runs in Star on Star Wars: The Old Republic, the MMORPG, yeah. um, where you basically join the Bounty Hunters Guild temporarily and go off and track targets and you freeze them in carbonite. Okay. Um, you get a special weapon that basically sprays them with carbonite and then you go and return them to the to the guild authority sort of things um but and seeing them all hanging there yeah it's a shame we don't get to see Din doing more of that throughout the series because we see him do it with blue fish guy yeah we see there's like three or four others floating there that he's already done it with and then we never see it again no i mean admittedly he doesn't do that sort of doesn't seem to do a lot of that sort of work he a lot of bounty work yeah. yeah um I think it's. I think they put it in because it was a very into a sorry. They put it into Empire because it was a very clever way of taking Han out of the situation, but not yeah. killing him. Yeah. And then I think they realised that. Hang on, we can use this. 
we can take people out of the situation, have them completely not play a part in anything, and then but they don't have to die. We can then bring them back as and when we choose yeah. them. Choose to. Yeah, I think it's a very clever storytelling tool. And well, I've got some more notes later on where I feel like they kind of overused storytelling tools in the Mandalorian. <laughs> but this is a very clever one. Um, what have I got left for episode one? Uh, the episode starts on a Hoflight planet and then mm-hmm. moves on to a Tatooine inspired one. This is the kind of subtle fan service that I appreciate. <laughs> yeah, planets that are like the planets yeah. we know, but aren't actually the planets we know. Yeah. Because as has been pointed out several times, um, if what is, it, what is it Luke says? If there's a bright center to the universe, you're on the planet it's, that it's farthest from. Farthest from, yeah. Yeah, and yet, <laughs> and yet, everything seems to revolve around Tatooine. Yeah. <laughs> now, we Even, get it. We understand that because people know Tatooine and you go, yeah, we're going to Tatooine. They're like, oh, I know that. It's the two suns. Yeah. That's where Luke is from. Yeah, we get that. But, you know, the galaxy is a big place. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, i got oh, yeah. one more. The IG unit is perfect. Just yes. the right sprinkle of le- levity when it's needed. Oh, his, his constant initiating self-destruct signal. Yeah. No, stop it. Don't self-destruct. Yeah. <laughs> right in the middle of a tent. Like, gun- like, this is one of the things that I always loved about Star Wars. Is that in the middle of something that's tense like a gun battle suddenly mm. you cut to droids and the droids are just <laughs> absolute pure comic genius and then you come back it's like i've i've it's, it's a way of pacing that mm. i i've talked about before on on here like i think it was on alien i said they needed to burst the bubble and then refill it i feel yeah. like the use of the droids in star wars is amazing way of just like filling the the, the tension bubble popping it filling it ten- yeah. over and over again so you go on a more of a ride where it rather than just an oppressive tension for two hours yeah. yeah rather than being just sort of like <gasps> yeah. you get oh r2 and 3po ha ah, yeah i can breathe again oh god back to the fenceness yeah. and it's like on yeah it note, allows you to <laughs> on that note i watched the, the prequel series recently and i'm going to say something that may be controversial and get our podcast cancelled so mm. I'll leave it up to you whether we keep it in or not. But um, I'm going to stand here hand on heart and say the opening of Revenge of the Sith from the end of the crawl to the moment that Anakin decapitates Dooku, spoilers, mm. is some of the best Star Wars ever shot. And not just some of the best Star Wars ever shot, some of the best cinema ever shot. I was watching it just like the crawl finishes and then you pan down to this huge fucking space battle and yep. you slowly move into it then you then you see Anakin and Obi-Wan and then you follow them through this huge battle it's just like from a directing standpoint it is breathtaking and then you mm. get and then you get onto the uh, separatist ship and then you have your your little moment of levity where R2 defeats the two droids and sets yeah and then flies off and then you're back to the action and then you yeah it's just that's some of i don't give a fuck what anyone says that is some of the best star wars i've ever seen on screen in my life oh yeah that but we're not we're not talking about the prequels are we we're talking about the mandalorian (laughs) revenge revenge of the sith is in my top 
three Star Wars films? Uh, I'd say it's in my top five. Top five, it's yeah. it's one of my favourites, and yeah, oh, absolutely, yeah. Depending depending on what I've been reading or watching around that time, it it yeah. you know, slides up and down sort of thing. But yeah, no, Revenge of the Sith is 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 in my top three Star Wars I, films of all time. You know what? I'm a big fan of Attack of the Clones as well. I think I would, like. I think it would be a far far better film if either Hayden Christian could Hayden Christensen could act, or uh, <laughs> there was a few more drafts. Of the love scenes yes, in the middle I think, of the film. I think the the Lucas doesn't do romance very well. No. And he kind of relies Lawrence he relies on his done. actors. Yeah. Well he Lawrence, Star Wars it, Star Wars sorry. relies on the actors to do yeah. to do the romance. The script, as we know, for I mean episode one, the script was pretty yeah. terrible. Yeah. Um by Revenge of the Sith, they seem to have worked a lot of it out. But it does, I think, rely a lot on the actors taking yeah. and interpreting that. Hayden Christensen, when he was playing Anakin, having fights and stuff, oh, it was great. Excellent. Yeah. When it came to those more intimate moments, I haven't seen him in a lot of other stuff, but I get the impression that's not really his bag. Well, no, I and mean, he's so young at the time that yeah, does Hayden as an actual real human being truly understand what I he's meant to be bike. conveying? Can you imagine being? the age he was in that film oh yeah and being told to to get all up close to to natalie portman in that black leather outfit and be yeah. all like romantic and shit i'd have be to like straight <laughs> i'd have to bash 12 out before i even go on set just to make sure that i didn't get i didn't I'd, embarrass myself i'd be a sweaty gibbering mess because yeah. god she she has that effect on me just watching her in that film so actually standing there and trying to act opposite her no, I mean, really work. <laughs> I know Lawrence Kasdan. I'm pretty sure that's the guy. That's the guy's name. Mm. He was a director on Empire, right? So I know he had a lot to do with probably the best, most romantic scene in all Star Wars history, where mm. um, Han and Leia are in the room and they're talking about Lando. And yeah, there's yeah. a real nice feeling to it. I, I know everyone expects me to say that I love you. I know a bit, but we all know <laughs> that apart that. Harrison Ford come up with that, but the way that it's handled, that scene is just mm. like, oh wow, this is this is a uh, this is not Star Wars for kids anymore. This is like there's a bit more adult adult interpretation of what Star Wars is. And then, so why he couldn't just chuck the the Attack of the Clones script to to him, yeah. or just to someone that has a bit, and just say that look, these scenes aren't as strong as they need to be. Yeah. We need to understand that he loves her by the end of this trilogy to understand what he does. Well, the, the choices he makes. I'm not really sure that anyone's going to truly believe they're in love when they're talking about sand and how it gets everywhere. So <laughs> aside from that, I really like like there's a there is a formula in Star Wars that the last third of the film is a freeway battle. We see it in Phantom Menace. We see it in the original. There's the films that break that mold, like Empire and Attack of the Clones, are really quite refreshing. And to see so many Jedi's battling at one one time at the end of Attack, oh, it's just so good. Like I have a newfound reverence for the um, for the prequel trilogies that I never thought I'd ever have. <laughs> I mean, they have aged well. Yeah, if you can ignore Jar Jar, Phantom Menace isn't a bad film. Really, no, if you ignore I, Jar Jar. 
I don't. Everyone hates Jar Jar. I've never had a problem with him. I I did, but my my there was a serious film going on with politics with like you're you're finding new jedis it's all this oh, stuff like going on politics. yeah in phantom menace misa be coming in misa be making people laugh misa yeah. having a okay day good time it's a my my fun and everybody be so oh bombard angry with me and misa like what are misa doing why are you not just like me i love that <laughs> <laughs> thanks jar jar bye yeah um, yeah, I just think there's a really serious film. I, I understand why why he's in it because there's a very serious film about politics going on. Oh, it's quite dry, isn't it? But there's nothing for kids other than wow, think of all the toys we can buy off the back of it. <laughs> so Jar Jar's in there to keep kids interested. Yeah. In what is a political thriller, basically. Like, <laughs> yeah. So I understand why they did it. I just think that. Like where they got C three PO and R two, perfect for levity mm-hmm. and for give something for kids. I just think Jar Jar was a misstep. I think they could have. Was, he was. He was a little bit OTT. Yeah. Which I think is the thing. He was too much. So, but people hated him so much that there's a Disney released a trilogy of books. You've got it because I remember buying it for you. You haven't read <laughs> it because you're telling me after you didn't didn't like it. Um, <laughs> but the. F- epilogue or prologue which one which is the one that comes epilogue the yeah epilogue of the final book is a scene of jar jar playing just like a, as a street performer mm. playing a clown because that is what the entire galaxy thinks of him <laughs> he's just nothing more than a clown and it's really i know he's the one that that empowers palpatine <clears throat> but that is a really really harsh way of ending jar jar's like place in the star wars universe is just like oh yeah. no we've relegated him to being a clown on the street because that's that's how that's how shitty everyone has treated him that that's, is his position in life that's now. yeah that's that's kind of the wrong kind of fan service yeah. <laughs> it's appealing to I, I don't think i've ever used this phrase before but it's appealing to the wrong kind of fan yeah. The the toxic ones i mean the star wars fandom is oh, world toxic. renowned for yeah. being toxic and that kind of plays into their hands almost. It's like, yeah, like, fucking Clara. It's like, you don't like Jar Jar? Fine. Fuck you. See what we're going to do to him. We're going to redeem him by making him a fucking clown like you. And it's like, he plays no part in the other three books. <laughs> it's just this one scene. And it's just like, it's big fuck you to Jar Jar at the end. And I like I'm his like, arc in... In the Clone Wars, he gets he gets yeah. he features in several quite prominent arcs in the Clone Wars. They redeem him a that. lot. Yeah, they redeem him a lot in the Clone Wars. Yeah. Anyway, chapter no, two. We're talking about the, no wait wait. I still I still have a couple of trivial notes on okay. episode one. Um, I really really like seeing the other variations of Mandalorians when yeah. he visits the covert. Yeah. Um, and it's a and it's a nice quite subtle nod to the Mandalorian Mercs Costuming Club, who uh, effectively inspired this whole series through their fanatical devotion to being Mandalorians. Um, I remember someone, I saw it uh, a little while after this episode aired, and and, uh, uh, it might have been after uh, number two aired, um, and someone put together a list of prominent members of the 
the costuming club. Yeah. Who seemed to have inspired Mandalorians in the the covert. Okay. Looking at their looking at their color schemes and armor designs yeah. and stuff. Um, and yeah, there's sort of like half a dozen or so sort of prominent members of the club whose color schemes and designs were used either either on purpose or by accident. Yeah. Um, for some of the Mandalorians in the covert, and I thought that was that was quite cool. Didn't you say they got all the props from some disgraced prop maker that just yes, copied other did. people's designs? Yeah. Yeah, they used a recaster for it, which which annoyed a lot of people in the community. Yeah, um, I have a reference here for my for my Warhammer peeps. Blurgs. Blurgs, yeah. Blurgs are just tamer squeaks. And if you get that reference, congratulations, you are a massive nerd. Um, <laughs> and Harrison Doola yes. uses an Eris Ryloth defense tech Blurg 1120 holdout blaster in the Rebels series. Oh, okay. So I remember hearing, I remember as soon as Matey says, a, refers to him as a Blurg, I was like, wait. Isn't that Hera's pistol? And I looked up the exact model of it when I was taking my notes. And yeah, so there's another little link there because apparently Blurgs are native to Ryloth. Ah. Yeah, which I didn't know until this morning. <laughs> they don't feature in Laws of the Sith. I imagine I some of the creatures in Laws of the Sith in Blurgs are just breakfast, right? <laughs> yeah, I would imagine so. Although maybe they live in different areas to the... I can't remember what the big creatures... The big insect creatures were yeah, called. Yeah, I can't remember what they're called. They either. probably don't live in the jungles with them. No. Because otherwise, yeah, they would get eaten. Chapter 2, okay. right? Chapter 2. The Child. Bosk. <laughs> but not really. No, but... <laughs> I, I have an original EU book called Tales of the Bounty Hunters. Yes. I definitely feel like Favreau and Filoni read that book. It's like every single one of them bounty hunters is represented at some point. Have you have you read um, the Bounty Hunter War? No, it's a it's a trilogy. Uh, okay, what's it called? The Mandalorian Armor, Slave One, and the Bounty Hunters Guild. I think it is. It's a trilogy, basically all around Boba yeah. Fett, uh, Dengar, and the Bounty Dengar, Hunters. And the one Bosk. I remember, yeah, yeah. Um, that is really good. I, I, I think I've got it. I think I've got them somewhere in hard copy. Actually, they'll be in that ebook bundle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I gave you. Yeah, they are really, really good, okay. and they flesh out a lot of stuff around these these things. Uh, but yeah, I've got uh, like five books I need to read. <laughs> <laughs> but once I've read them, I'll, I'll I'll get onto that. John and Dave definitely yeah. read those books and wrote copious notes. <laughs> that's that's the kind of again that's the kind of subtle fan service that i love it's like we may not be giving you bosk but we'll give you something that reminds you of bosk we may we'll not give be you a bunch of trend oceans yeah we, yeah i said trend oceans i forgot their name um <laughs> we won't give you ig88 but we'll give you a version of ig yeah it's like all these little bits and but we're not going to signpost it we're not going to scream it from the oh my god it's bosk we're just going to throw them in there. And for the people that know, you know. For you know. Don't, it's just another character. Yeah. Like, that is perfect fan service to me. It's like, we're not going to make a big deal out of it. We're not going to just that fucking jam shit in there when it doesn't need to be there because we think people will like it. We're just going to just throw little subtle things in. And then the people that know will appreciate it. Anyone else? Yeah. It won't 
change. It, it doesn't make experience. any difference. It, it's oh. just interesting set dressing, you know, interesting yeah. characters. But as you say, for, for those of us who know, it's a little yeah. fanboy moment. And you're like, it's, oh my god, there's Trandoshans! <laughs> right at the end of Revenge of the Sith, they have this bullshit scene where someone gives um, Chewie Han's medal from the end of A New Hope. Yeah. Because Luke and Han get medals, but Chewie don't. <laughs> now, it plays no fucking relevance to the rest of the story. It's it's just a bullshit scene that they've just thrown in there to make people happy. But mm-hmm. today's kids that are watching it are probably never going to get that reference. That reference yeah. is for half the viewing audience, not the viewing audience that they're going after. Now, that to me is just ridiculous fan service it's like <laughs> we're going to shoehorn something in because it's going to make a certain group of people happy no just dave and john should just be in charge of all star wars from now on because they understand pretty much yeah, yeah. Oh, they um, basically are from what i've seen <laughs> yeah from, yeah from what i understand now they're pretty much in charge of all of it um so chapter two sees the first time there is an issue with a razor crest that Mando <laughs> has to fix by going on an adventure. It becomes a recurring theme, doesn't it? Yeah. It's just like up until, um, well, right near the end of season two, when yeah. uh, rest, rest, no in peace, rest in peace, razor crest. Um, it just it happens about every other episode. Something happens well, to the ship, and he then has to get it fixed in some way. <laughs> twice, twice it happens in season one. I know because I was going out of my way to be like this is the second time this is the third time they use this one story <laughs> yeah. idea i feel like they came up with one story idea and everyone was like okay i'm gonna put that in my episode no i'm gonna put it in my episode my oh episode. fuck it we'll just put him on all the episodes just do it just do it yeah. um, um seeing grogu trying to heal uh din after his fight with yeah. the Trandoshans. now as I said, as we've said several times on this podcast, I have never seen Rise of the Skywalker. I have no desire to to watch Rise of the Skywalker. I understand there's some kind of force healing bullshit in that. I've got a note this, on that later on. This right. it kind of makes a bit more sense now that we know what we know about Grogu. Obviously, we know that he spent at least some time training at the Jedi yeah. Temple prior to um, Anakin going all fucking uh, bowling for Columbine up in there with all the little kids. Uh. <laughs> and that kind of makes a bit more sense and then obviously we see yeah. him do it later with grief Karga. yeah he actually goes ahead and heals him which kind of makes a bit more sense now because you're like oh right so he may well actually have learned that yeah. whilst at the jedi temple rather than just pulling it out of his ass like uh general organa with her mary poppins moment do you want to <laughs> elaborate on this now or should i come to it later when when we're on the episode because i have a real fucking issue with this <laughs> Go for it. Go for it. <laughs> Let me find my note. That's towards the end of this chapter, mate. Because um, I only have like two more notes on this uh, chapter. Anyway. Was it seven or eight that happened? Uh, seven, I think. Um, yeah, seven. Yeah, here you go. This episode showcases one of the new force powers that Disney has <laughs> invented. One I do not care for in the slightest. The Jedi... <laughs> If Jedi's can heal by touch, then Anakin would never have become Vader. Anakin's entire arc is, I have to, like, I lost my mom. I have to save the woman I love. The only way I'm oh. going to do it is by by becoming a Sith because the Jedi won't t- teach me how to do it. Yeah. Roll forward a bunch of films, <laughs> and suddenly all you got to do is touch someone. So 
if Jedi's can do that, and if the same, if the Jedi's again, this comes back to the point you just made. If the Jedi's again trained to do that in the Jedi fucking temple, at the same time that Anakin is moping about because they won't make him a master, <laughs> surely he would have learned it. So surely he could have healed his mom, and then he could have been like, I don't need to become a Sith. I'll just wait for her to like, you know, start dying there, there birth, is... and I'll heal her. There is there there is a precedent in the expanded universe. Obviously, you know, that's that's where most of my knowledge is based. Um, so I can't say for the Disneyverse because they just pull shit like this literally out of their characters' asses. Um, but in the expanded universe, it was explained that although all Jedi have some shared abilities, they also have particular abilities that are unique to certain people. You've muted yourself again because I can see you're talking, but I can't hear you. <laughs> Sorry, I got to start. Um, got to stop vaping or just make everyone listen to me vape. Because um, <laughs> there, there, there are there are Jedi healers. That there's, yeah. there's a whole book series set during the Clone Wars which focuses on Jedi healers. Um, and there were Jedi with certain abilities. Uh, Corrin Horn from the Expanded Universe comes to mind yeah. when he became a Jedi because he was really crap at telekinesis. He could okay. barely pick up a pebble, but he did have the ability, um, a bit like Vader's sort of where he blocks the, the blaster shot. Yeah. But rather than blocking it, he could absorb energy like that. Oh, a bit like Yoda does with Duke. A bit like Yoda does with the Force Lightning. Yeah. And that was a particular Force ability. So there were Jedi who could heal and there were Jedi who cut, but none of them anywhere in any version of Star Wars until basically yeah. we see that could just touch someone and heal a grievous wound in a matter of seconds. Ray's so, doing it constantly in Rise of Skywalker. She's like, I'm just transferring some life force. And I'm like, fuck <laughs> off. Anakin was the chosen one. If anybody has got the fucking power, it's the fucking chosen one, all right? Not you, fucking imposter chosen one. And I liked Ray until the Rise of Skywalker. I, I was I was all in on Ray. You know my feelings on strong women. I love them. <laughs> But once she starts fucking healing people, I'm I'm out. I'm sorry. It's just <laughs> one of the most important characters in the entire fucking world. The most important the character. Most important in character. The Skywalker saga cannot do it, and most of his arc is like it's predicated on, on the fact yes, that you can't just sorry, do that. People can't. Of. Jedi can't just yeah. walk up and go, "Bosh, you're healed," because otherwise, most of what happens in the fucking Clone Wars and the, the the prequels and the originals just wouldn't happen because it'd oh. be like, oh, you got shot. Oh, Jedi healing power. And this yeah, it'd be stupid. <laughs> I don't. I just don't. I mean, there's there's. I've noticed they're watching the prequels. There's times when Jedi's get themselves in precarious <laughs> situations because they refuse to use their powers. Mm. There's plenty of times that they could just like like move someone or do something with using their powers that they don't. And then they end up in a precarious situation. And mm -hmm. I get it because it's the problem with Superman. He's too powerful. You've got to balance that. Yeah you, yeah, you can't have them being all powerful all the time because so it's, I, just, it's really boring. I get that. But just what was wrong with the force? You had to change it. <laughs> yeah. Nothing was wrong with it. It was, it was a very loose framework with a certain amount of skills that everyone used. And because it was a loose framework, you could kind of take it and make it your own. Now, yeah. all of a sudden, they're like, oh, no, we've got to update it for the new generation. No, you don't have to fucking update it. It works fine for all them years. You don't need to yep. start giving people extra fucking powers. Do one. I don't like it. 
But um, on a far more positive note, sorry, yeah. is Grogu the greatest addition to the Star Wars canon since George created Luke, Leia, Han, Chewie, Vader, Tarkin, 3PO, and R2? <laughs> I mean, Basically, since he wrote the first draft of the first I, of A New Hope, is I Grogu like the Grogu. greatest addition? I like Grogu. I'm not. I'm a bigger fan of Din Djarin than I am of Grogu. I'm a bigger fan of Cara Dune than I am of Grogu. I don't like Cara Dune. I know you don't, but I I really like Cara Dune. I've got a note on her later. But I'm a big uh, fan of Din Djarin. Is my obviously my favourite. But in the bigger picture of Star Wars, after after the sequels, after everything that's happened. <laughs> He's, was Grogu just the greatest addition? Because suddenly Grogu, everyone's yeah, like, their hearts are melting. Everyone's like, oh my yeah. god! Everybody's buying back into Star Wars again. It's like they they watched um, fucking Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. Like, oh my god, baby Groot! And they're like, hold my beer, hold hold my uh, hold my low mint ale, milk. yeah, <laughs> hold my blue milk. <laughs> and they're like, boom, Yoda, but he's a baby, yeah. and he eats. Frogs. <laughs> just think the the mass swell of Star Wars love that I've seen since the beginning, since Grogu was. Oh yeah. First part. That's great. I think he's got to be one of the greatest additions to the Star Wars universe. Yeah, he, he made original. he's made Star Wars. Uh, well, the Mandalorian as a series has made Star Wars accessible to the masses again. Um, this later, yeah. And yeah, Grogu brought in a lot of interest that there otherwise wouldn't have been yeah. because he was adorable. Uh, yeah, it was a stroke of marketing genius. Marketing, uh, as a, just all genius, all round. As, as a character, he's he's okay. He, he, it was, it's I was about to say, in fact, I am going to say it. I, I'm going to say it. It's contentious, but you've already made a contentious point today. For me, in the, in the scaling of characters, he sits somewhere along Jar Jar Binks. He sits on the same ranking as Jar Jar for me. Jesus, I thought I, thought I was going to get some Star Wars hate. Oh, man. I, I, like I said, I don't hate Jar Jar. I think he's an okay character. I think Grogu is an okay character. The thoughts and ideas expressed by Rooney do not in any way relate. <laughs> they are not representative of Touching as a whole. In fact, in fact, that should be a spin-off. Jar Jar and Grogu, their wacky adventures out in space. Just Jar Jar constantly being clumsy and Grogu, Grogu oh, constantly yeah, Grogu. having to like save him. You're so moi moi cute. Yeah. <laughs> You're just so adorable. Miss is so happy to be seeing you. <laughs> and then Grogu just like, chop, you look like a frog. Um. <laughs> yeah, just Grogu just eats him. Just trying to eat you, Jar Jar. Yeah. <laughs> um, a more sensible note. Uh, there's, there's an element of arrogance to how Din approaches both the fight with the Jawas and yeah. then again uh, with the Mudhorn. Because with the Jawas, yeah. he thinks he's just going to shoot a few of them and they'll give up. Then when he goes in uh, for to, to fight the Mudhorn, he just saunters up to the cave, blaster in hand, and walks in there, completely you know, unconcerned, and he just seems to think he's just going to shoot whatever it is, grab the egg and walk out. And this, that whole, this whole episode serves as like a, it's a hum, very humbling lesson to him. Yeah, and we we see immediately from the next episode character development and growth. He gets oh, more character absolutely. development in the first three episodes yeah. than Finn yeah, yeah. gets in his uh, an entire fucking trilogy. Um, and we really see that come to come to the fore 
in season two when uh, Din goes off after the crate dragon. Yeah. Because he plans and he's very he's very much aware of the fact that just because this is a wild animal doesn't mean it can't kill me because the mudhorn yeah. nearly kills him and that's just a big angry rhino. You know, this dragon, the crate dragon is like a fucking sandworm on steroids sort of thing. Um, so I wanted to shout out the the scene where he's trying to get into the sand crawler. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. This, I think, I haven't seen it confirmed anywhere, but to me, this is a an obscure reference to the Super Star Wars video game on the SNES back in the 90s. Okay. I, because I never, obviously, I've never played that, but... <laughs> the second level of the game, uh, it starts obviously on Tatooine. Yeah. Um, and you play it as either Luke or Han, because timelines don't matter, it's a video game. Yeah. Um, although Luke doesn't have his lightsaber, so timelines do kind of matter, because he hasn't got his lightsaber yet. Um, and the first level, you're running around Tatooine blasting womp rats. The second <laughs> level, you are climbing up the side of a Jawa sand crawler, and nice. they are throwing things out of hatches at you and yeah. shooting at you and stuff like that. And it's like, oh, so basically you're doing exactly the same thing as they did in that video game 30 odd years ago. I was yeah. like, I really like that. That's that's a really, really nice reference to me because, uh, yeah, I really appreciated that. And it was it's also <laughs> it's also reminiscent of the scene in Jedi where Luke's um, climbing up the side of Jabba's sail barge. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, that's what it came to me. Right. One of my favourite bits of this entire episode. No disintegration. A line from Empire that tantalised, (laughs) but we were never given the payoff. Yeah. Mando has beef with the Jawas. Suddenly, like 30 years later, we're like, ah, disintegration. I loved that. I loved it so much. Where we just like, Whops out and you're like, oh cool, we're gonna get to see him use that big rifle of his. And then he's just like, oh my god, he full on fucking Obi Wan them. Yeah. <laughs> um, the first reveal of Grogu's Jedi abilities is perfect. Mm. Not only does he save Din, but it's the first sign that Grogu Grogu is developing a bond with Din. It's yeah. Again, it's the subtlety of it. It's not like we have to have some big scene where he's like. I don't know Din tries to leave and he's crying and it's like oh. so it could have been handled so badly, but the yeah. fact that they handled it this way, it's just it's a lovely little touch. It's it, it shows is. that it shows that they probably had a script and refined it fifteen times yeah. before it came to shooting, rather than <laughs> writing a script and shooting it because it's a novel idea. Yeah, um, uh, I, I mentioned. So, oh, sorry, you go. Uh, I mentioned previously that this is one of the few uh, programs where I actually stick around for the end credits to see the um, concept art. And I love the fact that in some of these, for some of these earlier episodes, you look at the concept art, uh, Din and some of the other Mandos are shown wearing more traditional Mando armor, like the, 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 the the FET style armor rather than the post Imperial stuff that we see him wearing during the show. I really, I really like that because you can see that like, that, that was done very early on in development. Oh, yeah, yeah, They yeah. had the idea for these scenes, but they hadn't refined costumes and, and aesthetics and things like that. And because I much prefer the uh, the traditional Mandalorian armour to the, the post-Imperial stuff. <laughs> um, I feel sorry for the mammoth rhino 
Why are her and her spawn so disp- disposable? <laughs> because plot device. I know, but... I just, <laughs> plot just, device. It's just like, what did they ever do wrong? She was just, like, you know, in there waiting for a baby to be born. And suddenly, in comes the hero of the piece, and they just <laughs> massacre him. What? So the fucking Jawas can eat the egg. Oh, annoying. Um, I do love the retcon of the Ugnall as a species. Last, I may be wrong, but the last time we saw them was on Bespin, and they were two-dimensional mischief makers. Uh, yes, yeah, I'm actually seeing Quill actually become a yeah. real fleshed-out character. Yeah, it is good. The Ugnaughts are one of those races that, in the original trilogy, were very much, they, like you say, they were just there, a bit like the Cantina. A lot of the yeah. aliens in the cantina bar scene, they were there with set dressing and just say, look, isn't this alien and exotic? Yeah. Um, and that's what you see uh, on Cloud City with them in the, 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 I don't know what, it's like a fucking scrapyard or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, seeing uh, Quill and, and especially when you find out his story later on in like uh, chapter that's seven or something. Whatever it is, yeah, later on. Yeah. It's it's really nice that they were actually they've actually been fleshed out and made proper characters. They also yeah. seem to have grown by at least a foot. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because <laughs> I did notice that they are a lot taller seemingly now since since the empire they've grown. <laughs> um, right, I'm on to chapter three now. I don't know about yep, you. Yeah, so am I. Right, do you think after uh, Quill helps rebuild the Razor Crest, he then launders Din's clothes as well? <laughs> Because at one moment, he is covered head to toe in mud. The next time you see him, <laughs> clean and shiny. I'm assuming Din does that because we see him working yeah. on his armour and, and patching things up. So I'm assuming he does that himself. Um, um, I, I, I wanted to shout out the ice cream maker. The ice cream maker? I must have yes. that. Yes, you probably did. It's come a long way from being held by a background character on Cloud City, Wilrow Hood. Because now it holds Beskar, and it's apparently called a Campona. Ah, ah character yeah, yeah. In, Obviously, uh, for, for those of you that, that aren't obsessive Star Wars nerds like us, there is a character in the background of um, Bespin, uh, Bespin, Cloud City, in Empire. And when Lando Carrizian gives the order to evacuate the city because the Empire is basically invading, you see lots of people running around, and he runs past, and he's clutching a big cream-coloured ice cream maker under one arm. For some reason, fans latched onto this. Uh, the expanded universe gave him a name and a backstory. Uh, and yeah, that thing that he's carrying around, it's apparently like a secure container for stuff. It's now been given a name in the Mandalorian. It's called a Cantono. And yeah, that's. Uh, I just wanted to shout that because as soon as that appeared, I was like, oh my God, the ice cream maker. <laughs> um, would any other bounty hunter be excite- as excited about being paid in Beskar. I mean, I think most people would because it's. We find out in this series that Beskar is worth an absolute fortune because people yeah. keep trying to kill Din to steal his armor to sell it. So yeah. I think they would be, but they probably wouldn't get as much of a hard on as he seems to. No. Um, the, I, the use of the Clone Wars era droid really time stamps the flashbacks in a in a way that yeah. they didn't have to use um, ex- exposition to do. I, you just, I the second you see that droid, you're like, oh, it's the Clone Wars. I know what's yeah. going on. Yeah. I love those flashbacks, especially the, the, the final one that we get. Yeah. Jumping ahead slightly here um, in Chapter 8, I think it is, where we see the full sequence 
Yeah. Um, you not only get to see the B2 super battle droids, but you also get to see the droid gunship <laughs> yeah. flying overhead, those, those weird round ones. Um, and obviously Death Watch. Yeah. Now the Death Watch and the gunship had only previously been seen uh, CG. Yeah. Yeah. They hadn't ever been seen in live action. So getting to see them in live action was really nice. And as you say, seeing those droids there, you're like, ah, right, okay, well, that perfectly timestamps that yeah. as being the middle of the Clone Wars. Just like, uh, okay. so, I don't know, I'm calling it clever. It's probably rule one of filmmaking if you go to film school. <laughs> but to me, it's just, it's so clever. It's like, we're going to put one droid in this flashback and everyone's going to know exactly when this took place. Yeah, It's just clever. Um, it's one of those things you can only do with something like Star Wars because oh, you yeah. know that Almost everyone watching it is going to get that reference. Yeah. There's going to be a massive proportion well, of the, the audience who are going to get that reference and go, oh, that was for, that's from the other ones. Yeah, with Jar Jar. Yeah. <laughs> the Jar Jar films. <laughs> As I shall now refer to the prequels. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the Twilight Healing Buffs. That's one of your fantasies, right? <laughs> I actually have a note on that. This is Grief Cargo mentions the Twilight Healing Buffs. Just show me the way, baby. Yeah. I am, uh, spending all of my credits up in your healing baths. Um, <laughs> this is one of the first times this happens, but it does happen again later on in the series. But the minute Din, Din gets the whistling birds, you know they're <laughs> going to come in handy. Yeah. Yeah. I also like the fact that the, the armorer says to him, use them sparingly, for they are rare. And then every episode from then on, he finds some excuse to fire off at least eight of the fuckers. Yeah. <laughs> How rare can they really be, mate? Because yeah. by the end of season two, you've used about 50 of them. <laughs> uh, there, there is that scene at the end of um, chapter eight where she says, refill your munitions. And he goes yeah, over and stuff Yeah, that's true. But before that, he uses them all. There's like 15 of them. He uses them in two episodes. And then you're like... <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, the scene where Din is surrounded by bounty hunters has massive Firefly vibes. I can just see Shepard Book trying to talk <laughs> sense into Captain Mal the same way. <laughs> yes. It's got it's massive, a, massive vibes. There are there are a lot of things. I, I can't remember where it is I note this. Um, somewhere. But this this series perfects something that Firefly did really well, yeah. which... Um, is the, the 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 juxtaposition of high technology yeah. against rustic, almost backward, uh, you know, environments and stuff. Yeah. And it, you know, you've got that whole Western in space thing, but this time it's viewed through the lens of Star Wars. Yeah. So your character's not a, a, a rough and ready ship captain; he's a bounty hunter, and yeah. you know, the 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 prodigal that needs protecting isn't a slightly unhinged teenager it's a baby yoda it's yeah. yeah it's yeah but it does it does something that um yeah firefly basically to me popularized and, and made a very popular device i'm fair i'm very sure it was done previously and i'm sure oh people yeah i'm sure it was yeah. well can, can bring out uh examples of, of why i'm wrong but to me that's they they started it and this kind of perfects it yeah there's just uh, can't remember what episode of Firefly it's in, but there's a few times where Mal's about to make one decision, and then Shepard Book steps in and is just like, you know, there's there's other ways or you can do it and talks him down. Yeah. And so was his name Grief? 
Grief Cargo. Grief Cargo, yeah. Yeah, when he's kind of trying to, when they got him surrounded and he's just like, <laughs> he's just trying to talk his, talk him down, try and get him to yeah. <laughs> Massive vibes. Um, I think I've only got one, one note left on this episode, uh, so if you've got any. Did anybody not see Din Djarin going back for Grogu? No. <laughs> I think it was fairly obvious from the from yeah. the end of, of the first chapter that there was no way he was just going to hand him over. No. Um, um, Pedro Pascal. Yes. He achieves a lot of emotional expression, uh, expression with a full-faced helmet. Yeah. He manages to convey a lot, considering all he can really do is tilt his head. <laughs> you know, without a even like a dog, me. right? Just like... yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and it, it's it's I incredible. It's, I think the other characters kind of I don't really know how to word this eloquently, but I think a lot of the emotion comes from the other characters kind of build the emotion, and then it cuts to him. Yeah. And you kind of, you know how you would feel in that situation. So you don't need to see his face. But the, the tone of his voice, the like the body language, it just is so yeah, good. Yeah, does a very good job of use, yeah, using body language to, to yeah. express things without actually saying anything. Um, my last note on, on chapter three is, this is the end of the mini arc. You kind of alluded yeah. to it earlier. Um, this is the end of the mini arc where we go from cold I'm all about business. I just want to keep working because work work seems to be the only thing that's keeping me sane right now. Yeah. In jar, uh, Din to at the end when he's got his brand new armor, which is obviously like a metaphor <laughs> for the new person. Yeah. Um, he's got Grogu, and suddenly you can you kind of see that there's there's more to him, and there's like extra layers and extra levels to this character yeah. that not seen before. And I love it's almost like Daredevilish in the way that he didn't get his suit until the last episode of season one. Yeah. So the whole time you're seeing him tran- transform from the blind lawyer into dead. And in those three episodes, you see him go from bounty hunter to hero. Yeah. Cause he makes yeah, there's a real... choices all the way. It's... Again, it's, it's, we're seeing more character development, more growth. Yeah. And we still, like I said, you see it in, you see more in this, in, in the first three episodes of this series than most of the characters in, in the, sequel. The, the sequel trilogy get in three fucking films. I saw this awesome meme the other day that just said Mayfield in 15 minutes <laughs> has, has more, <laughs> is a better kind of version of Gets the a better ex-Stormtrooper yeah. arc than Finn did in three films. Yeah, yeah. Because, because they had this character, they decided this was his background, they decided this is what he was going to do and this is how he was going to do it. Yeah. So he developed, and yeah. with Finn, they were like, "This is his character. This is his background." Uh, yeah, let's go with that. And it's like, <laughs> no plan of what to do with him, no end goal. Mayfeld, they did so, and they learned their lesson, I think, from that. I guess, uh, my, yeah. yeah, sorry, you go. Uh, so my, my final note on chapter three is my favourite scene in the the definitely in the the Mandalorian. So oh, far, backtracking now. You did last time. You said it was the best, the best scene in any TV show you'd ever seen in the history of TV. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Probably oh, okay. the best, best scene I've ever seen in any TV show. Yeah. And in the top three moments of Star Wars for me ever, okay. which is when the covert come yeah. to Din's rescue when he's surrounded by the bounty hunters. Um, 
even rewatching it, I knew what was coming. I've, yeah. I've, I saw that, that scene. The first time I saw that scene, I am not ashamed to admit I got terribly emotional. I was bleary eyed for most of that scene. Um, I've rewatched that just that scene several times since in various, you know, various formats and what have you. And even rewatching it, uh, when, was, when did I watch this? This was on Friday. Uh, I rewatched that, that this episode. Rewatching it then every time gives me yeah. goosebumps because it is incredible. I absolutely love it to see it, like because we've seen versions of it before, haven't we, in Clone Wars? Mm. But to see it live action. Live action. Play, oh, mate, it's so and good. And it just comes out of nowhere. It's not like, you know, you're like, they're, yeah, they're there. They go out one at a time. They keep the paces hidden. They're all hiding away. You're like, okay. And then all of a sudden, they literally just come rocketing down. And it's yeah. like, this is not subtle. This is not expected. It's just like, out of nowhere, boom, fucking Mandalorians everywhere. And, yeah, I absolutely love that. <laughs> um, I'm on Chapter 4 now. I don't know about you. Yep. That was, that was okay. my last note on the chapter three. Chapter four. I hated this episode the first time I saw it. Oh, this is going to be an interesting discussion then. <laughs> the, second, the second time I saw it, I loved it. Especially <laughs> the Space Hawks. The Space Hawks? <laughs> Which is what oh, they are, right? I hadn't made that ref- yeah, I hadn't made that connection. They're basically <laughs> just like Tolkien Hawks in space. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think I I think I hated it the first time because the first three episodes, as we just said, were an arc on their own, yeah. and story went, and I'm on this adventure, and yeah. then suddenly it stops. The pace of everything stops, it's and a, you go it's to a this very different pace, isn't it? Yeah, and it didn't help that I watched it on my laptop. <laughs> when I rewatched it, obviously on my 16 inch TV, I was like, oh, I, oh, oh. Yeah, it comes like, a lot better. Yeah. Yeah. This is one of my favorites because it perfectly captures, well, two things the one and done yeah. sort of idea of an episode, but it also captures that. One and done, but not really. Did you catch the reference? Did you did you catch what we did there? Yeah. Spirit of this series, because they do this a lot in this series, where you have this little self-contained episode in its little bubble where they do a thing, and you're like, oh man, that was a great fun episode. Um, because and you get to the end of it, and it looks like it's all wrapped up, uh, the storyline's finished, and you had introduced some fun characters, but in this one, obviously, it introduces Cara Dune who becomes a very important recurring character for the rest of the series. Um, and I really like that because it's a fun episode, but it also kind of lines up Cara Dune, as we, as we see. Um, so, but they don't make it obvious that that's yeah. what they're doing. It's like, yeah, and she's like, I'm just going to stay here. You know, yeah. <laughs> she's like, I'm, I'm going, I'm going to take the child. And she's like, okay, well, I'm just going to stay here and just stay hang here. out yeah. and apparently beat up Zabrax in a bar. Um, yeah. <laughs> as we see later on but yeah it's, this is, it's one of my favorites i think because it's a little nice little standalone thing and it's a very different pace yeah to, i think um, i think i hated it the first time i watched it because i i lost the context mm. like i was given one show for three episodes yeah. and then suddenly <laughs> the pace changes like it's a completely different environment as well because that that planet they're on i can't remember what it's called now Scoff- uh, Sor- Sorgan. yes the one is 
a completely different like it's just a different place to all the other places we've seen yeah. already it's like it's a forest planet it's lush it's green um yeah uh, it wasn't till obviously the season ended and then i think that probably had something to do with the rewatch and why i loved mm. it so much because i was like oh okay so the first three episodes are like a standalone thing basically yeah. they're the premise of the what the entire show is going to be built on is the premise is these first three episodes now we're getting into the show yeah. now we're starting yeah. to add characters we're starting to develop we're starting to go to different pl- so the context of the rewatch i was like oh i understand completely what they're doing now but the first time i watched it i was like oh where's the pace it's the- slowed right down i don't what what are they doing why what like <laughs> she was on an adventure why is it now what's going Those- on the first three episodes are what would have been with earlier TV shows, uh, a feature length pilot. Yeah. Or the first I'm thinking Battlestar or yeah. um, the, the Clone Wars, the Clone Wars yeah. movie, which yeah, was basically yeah, yeah. just a pilot episode. That's yeah. effectively what those three are. And I'm kind of surprised that they Disney haven't edited them together as such to be yeah. one long thing, because Film. that, that yeah. would work. They were clearly filmed back to back. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. In, filmed like like a film because you get that that sense of uh, the narrative runs so strongly through them and and the filming you feel so connected. Um, but yeah, that, like, that's effectively what they are. I feel like when Favreau was pitching it, that is what he pitched. He that's pitched what he that pitched. first three episode arc and was like, we'll figure out what to do after that. But yeah. this is the premise. This is what we want to do with this show. And then so you get to chapter four and they start bringing in character we don't realize on first watch that this is what they're doing but then yeah. they start bringing in character and they start expanding the world i just don't think on that first watch on my laptop i was ready for that <laughs> yeah. i was ready for this tiny much more like much smaller much more personal like lone wolf and cub show yeah and then suddenly it expanded and i was like whoa it's slowed right down like what's going <laughs> on but yeah in, within the context of everything we we now know oh it's so good it's such a good episode um, it's also the first one where they start pinching ideas from sort of westerns and uh yeah. japanese serials yeah yeah, yeah. You, you've got the oh, the, the clone wars did an episode very very similar to this uh where anakin obi-wan and a bunch of mercenaries end up on some alien planet yeah and i can't remember whether it's raid yeah, it must be raiders or the confederacy someone is going to come back and it's it's a classic, you know, classic storyline. The bad classic. guys are going to come back and and rob the village. So the hero yeah. comes in and trains the village to defend themselves. And oh, yeah, you've seen it loads of times before. It's it's been played out again and again. And this is the Mandalorian's take on that. Yeah, it's like the man with no name has to defend the town from the yeah. from the Indians, shall we say, yeah. or the Native Americans. Sorry. Yeah. And then it's just they've just taken that premise and been like. Oh, we're gonna do it with laser guns, ATSTs, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all this other shit. Um, and a shout out to whoever d- designed the AT- that ATST because that is 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 genuinely terrifying. Yeah, got, <laughs> the I way they portray it. I got a note on that. It's my last note on this episode. But the red eyes of mm. the Imperial Walker really gives it the monster in the woods vibe when it's yeah. first. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, it's you've never seen that before. Gun. You've never seen the red eyes. Or the red no. viewing ports or whatever they are, but they look like eyes. Yeah, yeah. but like, just add that little, that little bit of that little color yep. change in there. 
in the dark. You're like, wow. Put a red bulb in the cabin, yeah. and bosh! All of a sudden, you've got a you've got a verifiable monster walking through the woods. <laughs> get get Roxanne to pilot your ATST, and <laughs> you're one away. Um, it tickles me that Grogu has been well behaved for the first three episodes, but after dinner's rescued, it <laughs> risked everything for him. It becomes a real child and starts playing yeah. up. Yeah. That, that that scene with stop touching things. Grogu yes. looks at him whilst yeah. immediately touching things again. Yeah. That'll be familiar to anyone that spent any amount of time with a child. Yeah. Because that is exactly just the look on his face. He's looking at him and he's just reaching behind him yeah. and doing exactly what he was told not to do. <laughs> I love it. It's like, oh, now you like I I I know you risked your entire life to save me. Yeah. So I know that you care about me. Okay. <laughs> now I'm so going to start, start pushing the boundaries of what I can do. <laughs> I love it. It's just, it's just, it's, it is a child, right? Like you just said, it's like the essence of a child played mm-hmm. out with an alien. It's brilliant. Um, I love the notion that the planet is only big enough for one fugitive. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. He just looked after she walks off and he's just like, looks like this planet's taken and it's like well you're you're actually just going to fly off to find another planet wow yeah, because there's <laughs> one other fugitive here i love it um everybody seems is always reading about mandalorians but where do they get their books from <laughs> this is chapter four this is about the third time that someone said you're a mandalorian i've read all about your kind i never mm. see a library i never see a bookshop where are these people that live in these random little outpost farming villages getting books on the mandalorian <laughs> that is a good point because you don't yeah. see you see barely any technology in most of these places and yeah <laughs> yeah it's like well where are you getting it from like, people, yeah maybe they've got a library maybe they've got like yeah. a public library just down the road uh, and the shrimp farmers just go and oh, loan out books on mandalorians <laughs> i had the idea that like do you know later on in season one we're going to get to it but they they go on a mission to save the twilight but they yeah. come from the little space, the little um, space station. Yeah. I feel like there's one of them in just like little <laughs> library versions of them in different parts of the universe. You jump on your ship, you go up there, you get your books for a month and then you go on. <laughs> um, chapter five. Hang on, man. I ain't finished chapter four yet. Okay, go. Cara June. I really like her character. Um, She's she's a glimpse into sort of events after Endor and how the rebellion developed into the new Republic. And from some of the things she says about what she did when she was a drop trooper, um, it kind of hints at like a a darker side to the Republic military. Yeah. When she says about, you know, if they needed it done quick and quietly, they sent us in and you know, you get the, get the impression that her and other drop troopers were just sent in and they weren't like, the Luke Skywalkers and, and, and the Wedge Antilles. They weren't the heroes. These were the guys who were dropped in in the dark and went in and killed everyone in the base. These Those like sorts of things. Rogue One, the Rogue One team. Now, they were the team that kind of in the shadows did all the dirty yeah. work. So they the were heroes could be heroes. Yeah. 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 I like, and I really like that because it up the rebellion for a lot of its portrayal is very childlike, very innocent. Yeah very whiter than white holier than thou sort of thing and then you get someone like cara june drops up, uh, pops up and you're like ah right so they did have these and rogue one oh, like, yeah. like i said you did have these gritty fighters the people out there doing the dirty work because it needed to be done 
And yeah, yeah I, I think she's, she's a very the, interesting character. She's the female version of, oh, what is his name? Uh, Cassian Endor. Yeah, she's like the yeah. female version of him. Like, you can just see the trauma on her face at all times of the things I've done for the rebellion. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, but then she's happy to do it again. She, I'd like to find out why, what specifically happened that she hates the Empire so much. Well, because she's when he goes around, back to, oh cool shit! Ignore me. Pretend I didn't say that because that was a really stupid thing for me to say. What's it's, his name? Even Moff Gideon even line, points it out. Yeah, one line of dialogue in, in episode or chapter eight where it, where he's like Cara June, shock trooper from Alderaan, and you're like, ah, oh. that one word explains everything. Yeah. Um, I want a disclaimer. It's not that. I, dislike Cara June's character because I don't dislike the character mm. I just can't look at her without getting a little bit angry because <laughs> of her real life because of her real life persona every time I look at her I'm like you're oh yeah real life, real life you don't deserve the, to be in Star Wars the actress is a bit of a dick you don't deserve to be in such a monumental part of the Star Wars history the legacy she's so really hot <laughs> See, I Which, don't, I don't, I don't see that at all either, personally. Really? No. Oh, I think she's, I think she's really hot. I guess I like my women feminine. I was just gonna say, you like them powerful but feminine, because yeah. you know she would break you. <laughs> she would I fall like, on, she would fall onto a bane. <laughs> I like Wonder Woman, as opposed to <laughs> Cara June. Oh, I see. You powerful. like the unrealistic, powerful women. Right, gotcha. Powerful, <laughs> feminine, not powerful. No, I'm not even going to say it. Um, <laughs> chapter five. Um, um, oh, wait, wait, wait. I have one more on... Oh, well, okay. Actually, I have two more on, on four. Because I told you, this is one of my favourite favorite episodes. Um, the Mando says... <laughs> he stands there and he says, oh, I can't take my helmet off in front of anyone. So the, the, the hot widow leaves yeah. the room. He then stands there next to an open window. Of, yeah, in front of people. With little kids playing outside takes his helmet off and has some lunch. It's like, yeah. what, what am I not getting here? <laughs> no one's ever going to look up at that window the entire time they're playing. <laughs> past. There's um, that bit in season two where everyone's like, ah, oh, Grogu finally sees his face. And I'm like, bitch, Grogu probably looked up when he was playing with the kids yeah. just to make sure that Dim was still around, hadn't left him and probably saw his face while he was having tea. You know what I mean? Uh, my last note on chapter four. Uh, seeing the ATST and other bits of Imperial War Tech that we get yeah. to see uh, during this series being put up against civilians shows just how powerful they really are. Yeah. Because you see the ATSTs and you see the rebellion fighting them with the aid of the the Ewoks, uh, Ewoks. Um, and the ATSTs. Although you get glimpses of how powerful they are, yeah, uh, when they're, they're also very easily them, taken out, they are apparently very easily taken out. And then you see them here fighting against not an army fighting yeah. against villagers and two bounty hunters or a bounty hunter and a, an ex-soldier and you you know they immediately as soon as they realize there's an atst they're both like nope we're yeah. out <laughs> we can't yeah. we can't stop that bye guys you're on your own um i've seen i've seen them decimate entire platoons of yeah. troops yeah and you start to realize okay so yeah they are actually really powerful and then you yeah. want to start to get an appreciation for them and the work that the rebellion did fighting against them with outdated technology, basically, yeah. they, were, they were fighting with, with Clone Wars era and older against these killing machines. 
How long do you think before we see an 8080 in The Mandalorian? Because they've they've, they've got to expand and they've got to get bigger with every season to keep interest. At some point, that's going to be the jewel in the crown. Remember when they had to fight an ATST and you all thought that was fucking great? Now, now they're fighting bitches. Yeah, actually, yeah, they'll they'll, they'll come across something like that. They'll come up against something like that at some point. Um, Right. Finally, chapter five. The gunslinger. The stormtrooper helmets on spikes. Yeah. Just a an amazing visual. Yeah. That, the yeah. fact that they've got the bits of cloth underneath yeah. as well. It's a very nice, very nice touch. I love the fact that he doesn't even doesn't even blink. Oh. He walks past them and he just doesn't even look at them, just completely carries on. And yet the camera's like uh, 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 and zooms yeah. in on that camera on the, the helmet and you're like, Okay, well, no, that that's a big thing. Yeah. <laughs> How, how um, common is this that he just walks right past? <laughs> must be pretty common, like in the years after Endor, right? Yeah, I suppose all of those those remote outposts and garrisons like they had on Tatooine would have been... It's a nice little touch. It's a nice little reference to like the real world as well. Like back in, yeah. med- in medieval times when they would like sack a castle and then to send a message to anybody that might step up to him, they'll just put all yeah. their heads outside. Put the heads yeah. on spikes. Yeah. So a nice little, it's a nice little, like, cause you see it and you go, Oh, you know, straight away what it, what it's there for, what it's designed for. It's yeah. just done with stormtrooper helmets. And you're like, oh, wow. Like it's a nice real world. I never knew I needed this visual in my life. But now <laughs> I've got it. Yeah. It's fucking brilliant. Um, this episode marks the second time Mando has to go on an adventure to get his ship fixed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because we get that little little bit first bit of Starfighter action yeah. at the beginning. Which is quite nice because we don't see a lot of that. You see you see a bit. There's a bit in season two with the X Wings chasing him. Um and there's a little bit at the end of the prisoner episode where they blow yeah. up the space station. But actual like proper Starship fighting. Each Starship other. Yeah, fighting. This is this is the first time we see it, and yeah, there's only only happens one other uh, twice, two more after this. But I they're loved, both season two, so I love the I just love the idea that there are only a finite way. There's a finite amount of ways to start an episode of mm. sorry, a yeah, an episode of an episodic TV show. Yeah. This is a nice use of the being thrown into the action. Yeah. Kind of. It's not it it's not massively long or anything. It's just a nice little what like ninety seconds, two minutes of yeah. you're thrown right in the action. But what happens during this action is the premise for the entire episode. Yeah. I like it. It also um, it also serves to reinforce the fact that there are bounty hunters, because it's mentioned a couple of times that there are bounty oh, hunters no, out there chasing Grogu. <laughs> And they're looking for him. Um, and this reinforces that. And that they aren't all just walking around on planets with blaster pistols. Yeah. They, they are also out there with their own starships chasing him. It's, yeah. it's nice to see that. Adds a little it's bit a of nice, uh, dimension. We end chapter four with Kara taking out the bounty hunter, the track yeah. in there. So to open the next one with another bounty hunter chasing another him one. reinforces the fact that he's, it's like he's getting it from all angles. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's, it's not just trying thing. to evade <laughs> the Imperials. Like everybody is after him. Yeah. And everywhere he goes, he's got that that danger, that threat is there. It's really good. Um, right. We had a conversation about this on the 
Lords of the Sith episode um, about how certain things have been dumbed down from hard sci-fi to mainstream sci-fi. And on that note, half an hour, a phrase I never thought I'd hear in a galaxy far, far away. Yeah. Now, back in the day, they would have gone above and beyond to go, right, half an hour. Okay, so we're going to need to come up with a new term for time. Mm-hmm. Right, parsec or something like that. And then yep. we'll just come up with a, that's two-fourths of a parsec. See you in two-fourths of a parsec. And yeah, they they'd have come up with something. But instead they go, oh, we'll just make it real world so the mainstream, the masses can understand what it is without having to yep. stop and go, Google, what's, what's two-fourths of a parsec? So they make <laughs> it half an hour. There's another yeah. one. I got another note on it later on, but yeah, I never thought I'd hear. There's a couple of there's a couple of references to things like that, and it's like yeah, you're referencing real world stuff. It's like you've quite clearly got in universe references for this, but you're not using them. You're using real world references, and it is like like you said, it is to make it more accessible to the casual fan. Yeah, yeah there was a uh, point if you wanted to go deeper than the original trilogy then you had to go into hard sci-fi because it was marketed for those kinds of people. Now yeah. Star Wars is for everyone. It's like, uh, we've got to kind of dumb things down. Just what bit. amazes me is they do things like that, but then they refer to buy yourself a Camtono of Spice. Yeah. It's like, what the ever-loving fuck is a Camtono? I had to go and look that up. And I now we know it's that ice cream maker. But yeah. it's like, so you do that, but then you go, yeah, I'll see you in half an hour. What? Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. I got another note on that later, like how weird it is that in some points they're like, we need to make this for everyone, and other points they're like, nah, fuck them. Nah, we'll just we'll, we'll we'll throw something in there for the fans. So maybe think, it's just a balance. I think it was there needs to was be in charge of that episode. Whoever yeah. you know, and how much a of a of a Star Wars nerd they are, and b how they felt it should be done, because that's but that's one of the big things. Favreau would be the showrunner right so yeah. whoever but writes he has, whoever's name it says writes it isn't the yeah. person that does the final draft the showrunner does the final draft so even if he'd written that you'd think favreau would go back in and go like oh it's all good except i'm going to take out half an hour and make it too false he, lets, he it. lets them do their thing you know yeah i guess it's, what's the point in in having someone on someone else writing it if you're effectively going to rewrite their entire script the way you want because, it anyway you may as well just write it because when you're in when you're in the writer's room at the beginning and you're breaking the story, these other mm. people coming up with ideas that you're not coming up with. So it's so whoever it was may have been like, right, we're going to do this. This is a good idea for an episode, blah, blah, blah. Mm. And he's gone. Yeah. Okay. I like that. You go away and develop that when you're done. Send because that works into the overall yeah. eight episode arc. Mm. You send it back to me. I'll do one quick redraft to make sure everything all the characters. That's the thing. He just makes sure it fits in the overarching yeah. thing. The actual detail of the conversation seems to have been left to the individual writers. Um, yeah. I like going back to the Moss Eisley Cantina. Yes. There's a couple of very nice references in there. First of all, when he walks through the door, the, the droid scanner yeah. on the wall has been removed and replaced with seats. Yeah. You've got I don't think it, oh I don't know if it's the same droid but it's the same model of droid as yes. we see torturing the other droids in Jabba's palace yeah. and then we it pans around to Toro who is sat in Han's seat 
yeah. in there. And it's like, as soon as it does that, and I'm like, oh my God, look at that. That's Hansi. And there he is sat there, just like Han. <laughs> Again, if you're not deep into Star Wars, you probably wouldn't have noticed all of that. No. Yet, it doesn't make any difference to the viewing no. of the episode. But if no. you do know it, you're like, oh my God, this is it's just 10 times nice better than it was 30 yeah. seconds ago. <laughs> um, on that note, the Tuscan Raiders are Ooh. a real nice touch. Now, yes. I wonder if Favreau and Filoni had an eye on Kenobi, even at this point, or if they were just included as a nod to A New Hope. I think probably is a nod to A New Hope because you're on Tatooine. Yeah. You've got to, you, you've got to have some of the references. So it's like there's no Jarvis in this, so you get Banthas and, and Sand People. Yeah. Um, there's no moisture farmers. You've, there are certain things you've got to tick off if yeah. you're going to Tatooine. The Dune Sea. Yeah. You've been to Mos Eisley, and you've got you got uh, sand people. You, so there you go. You've you've got three of them. That's enough. You can you can have an episode on Tatooine now. <laughs> now, if the Kenobi series does follow the Kenobi book, though, then they are a huge part of the narrative. They are indeed. Yes. So if they did have one eye on that. This would be a really nice time to be like, <laughs> okay, we're gonna we're gonna show you Tuscan Raiders here, so that by the time we get to that later on, even if you're not familiar with A New Hope, yeah, I mean they have extra time. Like what they've done really well in the Mandalorian is take all these cornerstones of the original trilogy and mm. give them more dimension. They've fleshed so, them out, haven't they? The Tuscan Raiders were just like basically two-dimensional villains in yeah. A New Hope. They had to be there in order to get Luke to Obi-Wan, right? Yeah. In this, you see that they 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 got the, the old sign language thing going on. They get more layers. And it's, yeah. I, I feel like if they are planning on doing Kenobi the same kind of way or even touch on the book, um, then this would be a lovely point to just bring it, just mm. start expand like slowly expand in the tuscan raiders world so by the time you get to kenobi you haven't then got to spend three episodes of yeah. exposition explaining all about the tuscan raiders they get they get flushed up. they get fleshed out even further don't they in season yeah, two season the two, yeah. great dragon episode um and they become like i said rather than those two-dimensional villains they become almost like um traditional american depictions of native americans yeah yeah, yeah. They become more like uh, Native American Indians than just these savages who will kill you yeah. on site because you can negotiate with them. They're shown to have a society and they will work, you know, together with the the the, the settlers and the invaders yeah. sort of thing, which is which is really nice to see because they they were expanded a lot in the expanded universe. Um, I know there was a Jedi Master who ended up going to live with them, uh, like? way way back when. Um, I think just before the before order 66 uh so and they got fleshed out quite a bit in the expanded universe and it's nice yeah. to see them being done as well in this yeah. new disney verse um knowing what we know now do you think about the, the bounty hunter din helps is guided he doesn't have his own show like everyone else <laughs> yeah because almost every other character yeah, we see yeah. gets their, either reappears or gets a spin-off this yeah. guy just gets shot and, and left yeah. for dead but Unlike uh, what's her name, Fennec Shand, yeah. who gets shot and left for dead, 
he doesn't get a miraculous recovery at the hands of Boba Fett. He no. just dies and gets dragged off to Beggar's Canyon. Oh, there we go. That's the other. That's another reference. Another Tatooine reference. Yeah, Beggar's I've Canyon. I've got that in the end. I've got it. Beggar's Canyon. Nice touch. Um, nice touch. <laughs> yeah, like we don't at this point in viewing it, we don't know that's Boba, do we? That comes at the end. Um, I mean, I did. you did. Well, yeah? I, I had strong suspicions at the time because. Do you not know give it away? The Spurs. Oh, okay. There is only one character in Star Wars ever shown to wear Spurs, and that is Boba Fett. And I was like, is that is that Fett? Because that would tie in from the last time we see him, obviously falling into yeah, the Sarlacc. Um, um, but we also know he survived. And he's the only character ever shown on screen wearing Spurs. It's okay. like, I think that's Boba Fett. And yeah, there's there's a there's a clip. Uh, from the making of The Mandalorian season two, I think it is, where you see John Favreau and Dave Filoni yeah. discussing that scene oh, okay. and discussing that, yeah. that they put the spur sound effect in there for his boots to basically, because one of them says like, he said, oh, the fans are going to hate that because half of them will say it's too obvious because it was the spurs and the other half will go, oh, it wasn't obvious enough. <laughs> yeah. I, I had a feeling Boba was the first person that crossed my mind because I was like, they're making a Mandalorian show, but they're not. They're yeah. not even not like mentioned the most famous Mandalorian to, yeah. to most people. <laughs> so I had a feeling that he would come into it at some point. Also, the fact that they're on Tatooine, and who else do we know on Tatooine that's still alive, not yeah. like been massacred? So I can't afford about <laughs> it. But if again, if you're again, this is one of the things that it's thrown in there for the fans. But if you're just a new person coming to it, you're yeah. not going to know that. But you're just it, it like, Ooh, who's that? Yeah, it doesn't change the watchability of it, though, no. at all. You're just like, no. oh, wow, someone saved her. You don't know who. Um, the mechanics dwelling looks so much like the inside of Uncle Owen and Aunt Baru's workshop where 3PO gets, <laughs> gets an oil bath. I love the attention to detail. Yeah, yeah. They, the, the set building on yeah. this... this the whole thing is just incredible. They have really, and it's all mostly real, tangible sets. Yeah. The, yeah. the the green screen is t- is kept to a minimum where where it's not practical or yeah. you know fiscally feasible to 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 do it real world. That but they have done an amazing job of of creating these sets and recreating, yeah. as we saw with the cantina, um, almost like iconic cantina. locations. Yeah, yeah. I am. Um, like, I've got a note <laughs> on the budget later. So we'll cover it when I get to it, but yeah, this this isn't this isn't your standard TV show when it comes to budget, oh, is no, it? No, they, they, I know. I know. Imagination. I've, I've watched some various little, um, not not quite documentaries, but you know, behind the scenes clips yeah, about yeah. this, and all of the characters in it um, got the same. Well, basically made the same way they made the characters, uh, aliens and droids for the films. Yeah, they were done in the same workshops by more or less the same people, and they got yeah. the same attention to detail and the same budget that they did for these massive films. Yeah. Which, and that really, really comes across because you can put the Trandoshans from episode two of this up against fucking the Nimoidians from episode one, yeah. and there is no discernible. There's there's no drop in quality. The two of them are yeah. both got massive attention to detail and both massively high quality, which really helps this show basically because that would have been a real shame to 
to, to see the aliens looking like, and I say this in the nicest way possible, to see them looking like some of the Star Trek aliens. Yeah. Which is clearly just an extra with some bits stuck on his face. There's, um, <laughs> there's, there's a certain mentality that I feel certain, certain parts of Hollywood have, which is make it as cheaply as possible, mm. maximise profit. Doesn't seem to be the case with Star Wars. It's no. spend the fucking money, make it look unbelievable, make it look like nothing else anyone has ever seen, yep. and then you will make triple your money back. Yeah, because people were going to be like, "Wow, I've never seen this." And that goes as far as Grogu. Like, I know there's puppeteering and stuff going yeah. on, and I know, but the fact that they didn't just go, "Oh fuck it, make him CG." The fact make that they paid the money to get puppeteers, puppeteers to make, and, and real yeah it adds to it adds to because he's like the cutest character cutest thing i've ever seen in my entire life but <laughs> wouldn't be as cute if it was if it CG. was cg yeah but to have the puppet think, to have them real kind of look into those eyes and you just yeah see, you see cuteness it's, oh, it's when, amazing they, they when 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 something star wars is being made they seem to review, uh, view it as an investment yeah. rather than a quick money maker which yeah. a lot of especially a lot of spin-offs and and si- supporting they, well, series to tvs yeah. to, to films and that they're seen as a quick cash grab yeah. with star wars almost almost everything they make is seen as an investment so they'll throw a lot of money at it they'll invest a lot of time in it because they know that that will continue making their money for years to come it won't be something that's a flash in the pan everyone watches it and goes uh yeah it was okay what's next People do episodes of podcasts about it. <laughs> yeah. They learn from a new hope, right? They learn from yeah. that initial we have never seen anything like this before. Fuck me. I'm gonna go and see it six times. Because exactly. like it is just so far beyond anything that we've ever seen before. And they seem to have carried that. Luckily, unfortunately for us the fans, throughout everything is just like yeah. no, no expense. They're a bit like John Hammond, it's like no expense spared. No expense spared. Yeah. <laughs> Just, we're going to make this something that you've never seen before and that is how we're going to triple our, our money um, I'm done chapter 5 so if you've um, got anything else I just a quick note on uh, Grogu he sees a lot of violence and death in this series yes <laughs> the only person that ever comments on it is uh, the mechanic I can't remember her name yeah. in that episode yeah. when she said oh that was very violent oh, oh no no IG-11 does as well when he, when he, when yes, he, he does, doesn't he? Yeah. He says, he says I'm sorry. That, that was, was really unpleasant. Bad. I'm sorry yeah. you had to see that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he sees a lot of death and violence. And some yeah. of it is I mean, like when the Mando is, is rescuing him and yeah. he literally torches a stormtrooper to death yeah. in front of him. He's just like, burns him. And the trooper's just like, ah. And Grogu's just like, ah, isn't it amazing? How cute. Yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah. like, whoa. Damn. Uh-huh. Chapter six. Chapter right. Six. The prisoner. The classic Western train job episode. Yes, it is the train <laughs> job, isn't it? Um, it is. I love the little humorous ref- humorous reference. It's the first time they do it. They do it again later. But I love the little humorous reference to the fact that stormtroopers have terrible aim. <laughs> yeah. Didn't appreciate yeah, well, that. Uh, former yeah. Imperial marksman. That's yeah. not saying much. I wasn't yeah. a stormtrooper, wise ass. <laughs> yeah. I I didn't appreciate the mention of Canto Bite. Too many bad memories. 
Oh yeah. When he when Mayfeld says about um take off take off your helmet, Mando, take yeah. off the helmet. Maybe he's a jungler. Maybe he's a gungan. Yeah. Is that why we should can't see your face? <laughs> I, I got that note as, as well later on. I can't remember exactly what he says about Canto Bite though, but he says like yeah, ref- something like a about a Canto Bite slot machine. Yeah. 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 Um. Berg, right? Yes. The big red guy Dever- over the horns. Deveronian. Yeah could have walked straight off the set of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. From the second I saw him, I was like, you look like every demon that was ever yeah. in Buffy. I loved it there's, so much. There's a Deveronian in A New Hope. Yeah, He has uh, a yellowy gold skin rather than the red. Um, and in Tales from the Moss Eisley Cantina book, uh, he's in there and he's planning to apparently... Well, in the expanded universe, I don't think they carried this into Disney. In the expanded universe, they are like vampires. Oh. I think it's the one I'm thinking of. And uh, yeah, they basically suck out your soul through proboscis hidden inside their mouth. And he okay. spots Luke and Obi Wan. And okay. first of all, he's gonna he plans to to suck out Luke's soul. Then he spots Obi Wan, realizes what he is, and he's like, "No, nah, man, I want to suck that soul." Um, okay. He eventually gets killed, and Luke yeah. and Obi Wan never even realize he's there he's sort there. of thing but yeah yeah uh yeah just pointing this bit of background knowledge on deveronians there <laughs> i like it he he, he he does look like he walked straight off the set of buffalo yeah. i'm sorry very, very archetypal demon yeah. isn't he um <laughs> i bet you love the inclusion of a female twilight with a british accent right i have a note on shan she is not a hot twilight she's just feral Ooh. and feral, frankly yeah. unnerves me a little bit i i mean i'm not saying i wouldn't but I wouldn't stick around afterwards because she'd probably like fucking chop <laughs> my dick off or something. But yeah, she's not she's not the sort of hot tie like I'm I'm into. <laughs> okay. Um, I love the use of Richard Ayoade as a Ayoade, voice actor. I fucking love Richard Ayoade. He it's is just brilliant as a voice actor. He is inspired <laughs> because he's just got that voice, hasn't he? Yeah. And for it's a brilliant. Voice, it's perfect. Was it the day before? Because uh, I watched, I finished watching this season yesterday, and I watched this episode. And the day before, we'd watched uh, Big Fat Quiz of the Year, oh, which okay. has Richard Iwadi as yeah. a recurring guest on there. So seeing him being all fucking straight faced and and uh, almost Jack D like on yeah. on there, and then see hearing him being Zero, Funny. I was yeah. like, absolutely amazing. That's and it's he, one of the it's one of the the more upsetting deaths as well when his character dies, and I'm like. Oh, I'm never going to see that voice again. Unless that's the voice of all of them, like the entire series of voice as the same voice. They bring him back, don't they? Very briefly in season two. Yeah, but they use they use his head for something, don't they? The first time I saw it, I was just like, I didn't know that. The first time I saw it, I was like, oh, 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 but but that was inspired. Why? Why kill him off so quickly? Why kill him? Yeah, you kept Kara. Keep him. Program him. Um, Uh, no, on uh, Xi'an. She is the only person yeah. to comment on Din's shiny new armor. Yeah. Because his armor, when we first see him, is very rough and ready. It looks far more rugged. Yeah. Um, and then he gets this super shiny one, and nobody mentions it. Everyone's like, everyone wants his armor, but no one mentions how fucking shiny it is. It's yeah, like, how is that even practical? <laughs> Where did you get that from? I don't know. Like, <laughs> last time I saw you, you look like a bum cosplayer that couldn't afford a proper costume. Like, now. <laughs> 
Now you look better than any Mandalorian that's ever been on screen. Ever. Like ever. Yeah. You're all shiny and everything. It's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> that plays into the mini arc as well, doesn't it? Like, cause you see him as broken and beaten up and then you, yeah. he gets Grogu into his life that really completes him. And then he gets his new armor and you see him, you see that's like the character building. That's the next chapter. Yeah. If he'd started with the, with the, with the shiny armor, you would have lost that whole, the whole thing of like him becoming the person yeah, that he's going to be. Yeah, you have that visual, visual like, into like transformation of, of the yeah, character. transformation. Yeah, um, that was a Gandalf moment. Yeah. Aside from introducing Mayfield, which even because obviously the first time you watch it, you don't know he's coming back and playing a character in season two. Yeah. But aside from introducing him, I'm not really sure what the episode does for the overall arc of the stories like what is din's motivation to get involved other than is it just to get money just to get money is that it's it? a bit it's a bit like some of the they are literally it's just like uh, it's one of those things where it's like hey remember he's doing this this really important like thing with he's trying to find somewhere safe yeah. to hide with grogu yeah well he has to pay for that somehow and remember how his ship got all dinged up and he had to like take money off of a corpse to pay for it to get repaired. Well, yeah, he's got no more money, so yeah. he gave his last five hundred imperial credits away already. So he got to do something. It's the kind of that reminder that don't forget I, he's a mercenary. Yeah. Still got to keep the ship flying. Um, I, I I like it the character as well because the character's gone from like we just said he went from like the beaten up version two dimensional, yeah, angry bounty hunter, and transforms into like the more hero person. But then yeah. every now and then you see, like, you'll get an episode like this where you're like, oh, so he's not white, he's grey. Because even though yeah. he's the hero, he will still have to go and do things like this just to keep going on his heroic quest. Yeah, have but to support himself. Aside from them, it like I didn't feel like it really moved his character too far along, which was... No, it's, it's, it's one of those ones, it's more a fun episode than anything else because it is pretty much standalone yeah yeah yeah. um and it kind of it it hints it does it's a little bit of exposition because it gives another glimpse into the new republic yeah because you get to see their their prison ship and what have you um it talks about without actually revealing any details it talks quite a bit about the mando's past as a bounty hunter and a mercenary because there's obviously like there's two people there who have worked with him before and three when you when what's his name gets uh quinn gets rescued um and yeah it's just a it's more one of those hey look at what he can do because yeah. he gets to show off how cool he is as a as a as a bounty yeah. hunter. you know we don't we haven't seen so much of that in the gunslinger it's like yeah okay he he gets the job done in sanctuary they're outmatched but he still manages to do it this you see him in a stand-up fight against those droids yeah who just clearly got some upgrades since the clone yeah. wars because yeah. b1 battle droids they are not um <laughs> at least for most of the episode because towards the end when they become more of set dressing yeah. one shot takes them out but that first scene where we see them yeah, they're all blasting at them and it's just bouncing yeah. off and it takes yeah. din running in there and doing some like kick-ass beatings that um yeah they actually are pretty hardcore but yeah i think it's just a it's an excuse to flesh his character out his background out a little more yeah it's um, what is that episode of firefly where it's not Mrs. Our Mrs. Reynolds, but there's there's another one where they go to see some people that he, that Mal worked with before, and she's there. 
Oh, God, I can't think of the one. And they, tur- they turn on him, and then he has to get himself. This episode reminds me. Well, they steal the laser lot. pistol, isn't it? The, the, yeah. They steal the last yes. Yeah. yes. Yes. Yeah, I can't remember what that's called. This reminds but... me of that a lot. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you made, you did mention it earlier, but I got a note on it. I'm not mad at the Gungan reference. Even mm-hmm. though they were heroic in Phantom Menace, they seem to just be the whipping boys of a galaxy far, far away now. Yeah. They, yeah. they have become there the are joke. certain races the in, joke. Yeah. There, there are certain races in the star wars universe who are generally thought less of jawas um wookies are used as a reference for for unthinking violence and yeah. tearing people's arms off and what have you and uh obviously <laughs> the gungans um, yeah i only got one more note on this episode and that's that those Republic helmets are fucking awful. They really are ridiculous. Okay. I appreciate that they kept them from right back at the start of A New Hope. Um, yeah. I, I appreciate that. And I think they're, they're uh, in in canon-wise, they are actually uh, Old Iranian helmets because uh, the crew on the Tanta V4 are all yeah. from Alderaan. Um, but yeah, they are not good-looking helmets. Turns out I do have one one last note. Um, the scene where Din is creeping up on Mayfield, but is only oh, yeah. occasionally visible due to the flashing light. Yeah, awesome. From a it's got design, the right horror movie vibe. Yes, from a design point of view, from a a like a visual point, it's just so good. It breaks yeah. up. It breaks up the interior of the ship, and suddenly you're seeing everything. You're like, oh wow, it's dark. Oh, he's creeping up. Oh, and you get you on the edge of your seat in a way that yeah. they hadn't done it that way. You may not be. That was really good. All right, I need to pee before okay. we do uh, the last two I've episodes. Been, I've been holding it for about half an hour now. So, <laughs> so seven, the reckoning. I touched on this earlier, but this is my complete note. Um, you know, this show has a healthy budget. When Quill tells his IG story, you see it play out. Most shows would just try and save money by not doing this. You would yeah. have you would have the Quill character tell the story about how he reprogrammed the droid and that would be it. You'd just yeah. have to imagine it happening. But in this they go to they're like, fuck it. Get a montage. Yeah, we got money. We can create all these new sets and all these make the IG do all these different things because what's the point of telling the story when we can show you the story at the yeah. same time? It's but, like we got can we afford this? We got montage money. Yeah. Like, Make it rain. <laughs> a lot, a, like, there's a lot of uh, low budget films and stuff where it's all exposition and dialogue and they tell you all the stories. Yeah. The things that you never see it. But in this, they're like, fuck you. We got Lucasfilm. We got Disney money. <laughs> We're just going to show you everything. Um, <laughs> Grogu exhibits peak Vader vibes for the first time. Oh yeah, Chokara. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a uh, that's uh, harks back to something I said in one of the previous episodes when we were discussing this. That people are projecting a lot oh, onto yeah. Grogu, yeah. Because as we see here, okay, we we find out later he spent time at the Jedi Temple, but he's not a Jedi. He's not even a Padawan. No. You know, so he's he, he was a youngling, right? Yeah, it's it's right. assumed that he was a he was a youngling at the temple and somehow escaped the temple um I, I like the memes of uh anakin texting grogu grogu yeah. you've always been pretty cool don't go to the temple tomorrow 
<laughs> that sort of thing. It's like, okay, so whatever reason, he survives, but he's not a Jedi. He's not had the Jedi training. So he is just like, he, good and evil, it's kind of, it's just dead, dead abstract concepts to him. Yeah. He's very grey. He is, he is like that, that toddler, you know, yeah. where they don't know that something is bad or good until they are taught that. And until that point, we're, we're, we're led to believe that he's never done that before. Yeah. He does that because he thinks that she Kara is, is yeah. hurting Din. So he protects him in the most obvious way you can think of, which is strangling or out. Choke him. Yeah. Cho- choking out Kara. And it's like, oh, okay. He's like, that is not okay. <laughs> yeah. She's friendly. She's our friend. You can kill our friends. <laughs> um, a quick note. And I think this has become obvious. I don't know why I'm saying it, but I'll say it regardless. Regardless of how many times I see Grogu, every time he's on screen, my heart just melts. Oh, my God. You're so soppy for Grogu. I am. You're a heartless monster 90% of the time. Fucking the little green baby appears on screen and you all just, you just turn to mush. (laughs) Literally, I was watching this the other day and for the first time in probably my, the majority of my, 95% of my life, (laughs) for the first time I was like, I want to have a kid. <laughs> I want to grow good. I don't want it to ever grow up. I just want it to be it's a child. It's just going to stay like a child yeah. like that forever. <laughs> I just want to paint it green and just call it Grogu and just hang around with it. It looks so fun. Well, um, you wouldn't have to worry about the ears, you know, with, you, with your genes. It'd have the ears anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, this episode hits on a continued theme in Star Wars. One that most people won't recognize as a continued theme but if you've gone a bit deeper than just service level you will Mm. know and that's rich people gathering different species for their own private collections Mm. in the in the novelized version of force awakens they explain that i can't remember what they're called now rector rector whatever them things are that han and chewie are trying to smuggle oh yeah uh, rathtar Yes, them. They explain in the novelized version that they've got them for a collector who wants yeah. them. Design per- and there's, I think there's another book where I read somewhere that somebody, like a rich person, had done that. Java hint- has his own menagerie. Yeah. And they hint on it here with um, when they say, like, oh, yeah, when he what says is about- it? Yeah. And he, and he says, I'll oh, probably just for like somebody's personal menagerie. And I was like, yeah. Oh. I don't know if they knew that. I imagine Dave <laughs> Filoni knew, knew it all along, but that's a, that is deep cuts for a, for a reference. Yeah. Not everyone's going to get. <laughs> but it explains, it explains that a way that like, oh, this is not weird that, they've, that they're trying to capture this thing because it happens constantly. Yeah, it's something it's, that people are aware happens. Yeah. <laughs> and the, way, the fact that everyone's just like, what is it, some kind of pet? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like this. This episode ties up a lot of loose threads, uh, yeah. and the ones it doesn't tie up, it gathers together and kind of weaves into a rope, um, and it brings together a lot of seemingly disparate uh, characters and elements already for the finale. Yeah. Because it's like, oh wait, he's gone back to that the the, the shrimp farming planet, and he's picked yeah. up Kara. Oh right, she's in there. Oh, he's gone back. He needs someone to look after the baby. He's gone to Quill because oh, yeah. we know him. I have spoken. Um, and yeah, it ties up all these various different things. And then it brings back IG-11, who everyone thought was dead. Yeah. And it's like, oh my God. It's like nostalgia for something that's, you know, for, for six episodes ago almost. Yeah, it's like, 
it's like he's like he's, he's time of fan finally getting the band back together it's like yeah and it's like you kind of i don't know it, many people but all the people i know can perform a function in one <laughs> fortunately yeah. yeah all of these sort of like these people that he's come across now who who you kind of are like okay well they were an interesting character for that episode you now realize are actually integral parts and have yeah. been building up towards this finale um you see it quite a lot in uh usually in cartoons actually where they'll spend an episode where they go off and they have these adventures and they meet these people and then usually at the big season finale yeah. they have to call on these people these friends they've made to do it and yeah, yeah it's like you know we're stronger together because there's no way din could have done Oh, this no. final thing on his own he needed no. these connections and these these things that he's done even including the best car you know his yeah. new armor again he'd have been dead multiple times over without that that, that yeah. best car so um yeah it's kind of pulling them all together into this big <coughs> finale which then we then realize watching season two it's is itself a component of something oh, else yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's constantly building on itself without most of the time without anyone realizing until it's already happened and it's revealed sort of thing. It's a bit like a babushka really this show. Yeah. Like it you, really is. You peel away one layer and you're like, Oh, there's like 16 more layers under it. It's it's like a, it's like a, an ogre. It's got, it's got layers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's a reference. Nobody expected in the star Wars episode. <laughs> when Grogu heals, um, grief, Whatever, grief, whatever his name grief, is. Carga, yeah. Carl Weathers. Um, Carl Weathers. How does he get out of the floaty egg? He does that a lot. He gets from yeah. one place to the other. I think he's doing some Yoda shit. Because you know because, how we see Yoda yeah. fighting um, yeah. Dooku. Uh, Dooku. Mm. I can't remember the style that he uses, uh, the, the, the form of lightsaber combat he uses, but it's all those f- force-powered flips yeah. and leaps. I think off-camera... Grogu yeah. is doing some of that shit because it's the only way to explain how one minute he's there, character looks away, looks back, and, and he's, he's suddenly up yeah. across the room. He's got to be doing it on the down low. Uh, yeah. it's, it's implied, and again, I think unless you're a mega nerd like us, you'll just assume it's a it's a plot device. It's a you know it's a yeah. TV trope. But I think he's he's secretly using some of that fucking gem so style leaping about stuff. If that's the case, <clears throat> how comes leaping about doesn't make him tired, but using any other force power makes him tired? I don't know. Okay, moving ask, on. Ask, ask Dave Filoni. Um, yeah. Seeing seeing IG Eleven, who yeah. is a brilliant character anyway, yeah. serving tea and being a protocol droid is it's hilarious. Yeah, and it's quite cleverly it's the reverse of what we see in Attack of the Clones. Yeah, when three PO gets Becomes bolted a battle droid, a battle droid yeah. chassis, and it's kind of like you've got the the prissy. Um, protocol droid suddenly yelling die rebel a uh, die yeah. jedi dogs um and then this way around you've got a droid program just for killing who is now serving tea and looking after the baby and making lunch yeah. <laughs> i've prepared the second your second meal second meal like yes. upstairs or up here <laughs> um why does din have to be coughed so far from town i it's just like it was in case second... anyone was watching the second they make the, the, the they come up with a plan, he's like, "Alright, cough me now." I know there's about twenty miles before we walking before we get to the town, <laughs> but you might as well just cough me now. Um, I appreciate the use of different stormtroopers in Navarro, especially considering they have my favourite one, which is the scout trooper. Yeah, which never got used enough in the original trilogy, but 
there there there's a few of them in in between there not only is it cool that we're getting to see the different types of stormtroopers but it really rams home that point of like this guy's just like the client or whatever his name is yeah has just kind of gathered together what disparate parts of what's left and he's like i, yeah. I don't care if you're like one kind of stormtrooper and you're another you're all fucking stormtroopers you're all here to all protect stormtroopers. Me. yeah i love that <laughs> well what's his name uh werner herzog is the yes. actor who plays the client yeah. he's very very good fuck. yeah Oh, he's very good, and he's he's one of the again. He's a classically trained actor yeah. doing doing some weird sci-fi show, yeah. Um, but yeah, he he's really good, and he really is sinister. I don't the way he talks just yeah. immediately sets you on edge. He's bounty um, hunting is a complicated profession, and you're like, whoa! I mean, that's just a statement of fact, yeah. but already you've made me uncomfortable, guy. <laughs> Sam. What was I going to say? Oh, well, first off, your impression you just did sounded a lot like what's his name in Rogue One? Uh, Forrest oh, Whitaker. Lies! Deceptions! Yeah. Yeah. You come here to kill me! <laughs> that's it. That's what I was going to say. The only other person I think sinister enough to pull that off, Sean Pertwee. Sean Pertwee? <laughs> Sean Pertwee is not sinister! Who's <laughs> the guy Who's the guy in Alien? Am I getting them confused? Who's the, the fabric person that's quite sinister and alien. The fabrication what, person. What not are fabrication. You about? The um the the android. What do I call them? Oh, for... oh the synthetic. Um, yeah, synthetic. Bishop. Not fabrication. Yeah, he's Bishop. a bit sinister. Um, uh, what is that's his not, name? Is that not Sean Pertwee? No, Sean Pertwee's uh, English guy who played yeah. Smithy in um Event Horizon. Event Horizon. Oh, sorry. And the, the the sergeant the in Dog Soldiers. Yeah. Um, also. <clears throat> I realised recently he does the voiceover on MasterChef. Does he? Yeah. Huh. Just random fact. <laughs> he does. He does. He's done a, quite a lot of of stuff. He yeah. voiced a space marine in the Warhammer Forty Thousand CG movie Space Marine awesome. or Ultra so who, Marine. Who plays the synthetic? Because he's sinister as fuck. I'm trying he, to think of his fucking name. Uh, something Anderson, I think. The name we were trying to think of was Lance Henriksen. I want to say whoever last he time. is, not him. Yeah, I, is. I know. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. So earlier, I I had a dig at the half an hour. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to counter that with, could I offer you a libation to celebrate the closing of our shared narrative? <laughs> <laughs> it's not even a hard sci-fi word. But how many people in this world know what a fucking libation is? I do. <laughs> you do. Yeah. But this is for the masses. Remember. How yeah. many of the masses know what a fucking libation is? <laughs> well, more now, I hope, because they yeah. would have it up, because otherwise they're like, what the fuck is he talking about? <laughs> I do love that, because that's perfect for that character. We yeah, oh, perfect for the character, yeah. But what we do is massively over-the-top and sinister, yeah. and that is perfect. It's almost like, um, like some kind of droid trying to pretend to be a human. Yeah. You know, Can I offer you a libation to yeah. celebrate the of our shared narrative and it's like i'm sorry commander data what yes. <laughs> john, android john this is meant to be for everyone remember <laughs> and on that, love- note, on that note he then goes on to call the floaty egg thing a pram a pram yes that's so it's like 
both ends of the scale in one like in one monologue or one scene well, he's gone what from you call it because if we keep referring to it as a floaty egg thing or you know the baby carrier <laughs> just come up with a come up with a star wars name for it don't call it a pram yeah, I don't. I don't know what the the providence is of the word pram. I don't know where it comes from or anything. Oh, perhaps, Susie, perhaps if Susie Dent is listening to this, she can she can get in touch with us and tell us where the word pram comes from and whether it's actually you know, something they would be using in Star Wars. But uh, yeah, <laughs> it throws you a little bit, doesn't it? Especially coming after that the libation. libation. Like, yeah, <laughs> you're like. Ah, oh, first you're using words that most of the people you're attempting to draw into this world won't understand. Now you're calling simplifying things even for, like the complete opposite of the scale. I'm calling things pram. What's going on? <laughs> um, the fact that Moff Gideon fires on his own officer and troops. Is yeah. A clever visual way of showing he is next level evil. Now, yeah, yeah. We said the client is sinister as fuck, but. The fact that Moff Gideon turns up and is just like, no, kill them all. I know they're on our side, yeah. but kill them. It's next level. It's, that is some serious, yeah. like, wow. It's it's alluded to in, uh, there's a very clear reference I have to this in the EU, in the X-Wing novels. Yeah. There's a there's an Imperial agent in that, and he's being recalled to the current leader of the Imperial yeah. Remnant um, for his perceived failures and he's on the shuttle and he's getting really nervous and the pilot turns around to him and says don't worry agent law i think his name is he says um this isn't like the old days when the isb would shoot down one of their shuttles just to kill an agent they didn't like yeah and he says and then the pilot laughs and says yeah we can't afford the shuttles anymore (laughs) (laughs) which is like and it kind of they're really drawing on that same vein here because it's just like I don't care about you. You lot. Are, he refers. They refer to by the uh, the scout troopers as local yeah. troopers, and it's like, yeah. yeah, you really get that impression. They're here. They're all grubby. They're scraping by, and then fucking Moff Gideon comes swooping in with his custom Tie Fighter yeah. Death Troopers and all shiny white troopers. Yeah, it's just <laughs> it's a it's the it's a visual escalation. Of yeah, what's going on? They're done so well because you're like, oh, they're oh they've they're like they're in this tense situation as it is, but suddenly, this guy who's more evil than the guy that you were fearing yeah. thirty seconds ago has turned up and escalated things massively. It's like yeah, the, we've, it. we've seen the client as the big bad, yeah. and you're like, oh, he's the big bad of the, the series, and they're like, oh, they're finally <laughs> going to take him out, yes, and then the real big bad kind yeah. of pops up and kills the previous big bad in yeah. a in a totally unexpected and shocking manner, and you're just like. What the actual fuck? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's brilliant. Watching the TIE Fighter land made me happier than it should. <laughs> I remember when I first watched this, um, I was like, oh, wow. Okay, well, that's not normally how TIE Fighters land. And then obviously Moff Gideon pops up. Yeah. And you're like, I, I was like, oh, I just assume that's a custom one. Within minutes of uh, someone else watching this, uh, he messaged me. He went, "Oh my god, can all Tie Fighters do that?" Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, "I don't think so." Traditionally, no. And I remember, like, I went on this as I do. I went off on one about Tie Fighters and yeah. what have you, and how this must have been a custom one because then it's revealed that he's ISB and what have you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that that's that that sequence is really really cool. <laughs> we see it 
they expand on it in season two, don't they? Where I can't remember what episode or what happens. I just remember you see all the TIE fighters being loaded. Yeah. And they get shot out. That we'll talk about that next week, but that was amazing. <laughs> um I got a couple more notes if you if you haven't got uh, any. I have one more on uh chapter seven, which is yeah. the scene the scene with the weird flying things. Yeah. Attacking them. Somebody had just watched Pitch Black, hadn't they? Yeah. <laughs> was was Riddick not available for this scene? No. <laughs> it's like, uh, what? Weird flying bat-like things swooping in from the dark? Yeah. Mm, okay. Also, a really handy way to get rid of two of the Blurgs. Yeah. <laughs> and a bounty hunter, right? And it, a bounty like, hunter, yes. Because it's like, it's a cool little way of being like, right, so there's, what, eight of them. They might be able to pull this off. And then suddenly you're like, oh no, they just oh, fin no, their numbers. This, this Things have got shit. even harder. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I've got two notes left um, for this episode. Quill's death is more heartbreaking than I'd expect for a minor character. Mm. And the the actual visual of it as well, when you just see his broken, crumpled body on the floor, it's, yeah. it's quite dark for like a Star Wars yeah. TV show. Yeah. We haven't seen, and up until that point, we haven't seen any main characters or any of the recurring characters. No, like I have any problems whatsoever. No, they've all die. they've yeah. all had kind of character shields. All right, Din gets beaten up a bit, and we see IG Eleven get blasted, but he's literally in for half of one yeah. episode, and then he gets blasted. And you're like, okay, he was a fun character, but you know, he was almost an antagonist. Yeah. None of the protagonists up to that point have suffered any real lasting. Mm-hmm repercussions and then yeah all of a sudden he dies and he does it dies off screen yeah you don't even get the shot sound it's just like you see the trooper priming his uh the blaster on his bike yeah. and the next scene is dead it's... quill and you're like oh shit okay he dead <laughs> i'm not sure what's darker though because there's a certain not comedic but there's a certain more light-hearted version of him getting shot and going mm. down but just to cut back to that dead, crumpled, broken body on the yeah. floor is it's quite it's the dark choice rather than. Yeah, the, it has a lot of emotional impact as well, because you yeah. think you see him there. The, the, the ramp is open on the ship yeah. and you're like, he's going to make it. He's going to make it. Because, and then the next time you see him, because the characters always make it in these yeah. situations, they always get there. He might have to reach back and get his hat before the, the thing yeah, comes down. Yeah, but you might lose the blurg, but you're yeah. like, he'll make it. And then he doesn't. <laughs> um, the other thing, um, all good shows execute cliffhangers well. The end yeah. of chapter seven is the perfect example. Yes. It, like, I remember watching that. And obviously when they released this, it was done week by week. Yeah. So I watched that and I was like, no, you cannot leave. You cannot finish like that. Yeah. I need to know what happens. And I was, I was watching these on the Friday night sort of thing, like with like season two. And I was just like, no, yeah. no, <laughs> don't do this to me. Stormtrooper, like fucking Quill's dead. The Stormtrooper's got Grogu. They're pinned down. You can't end here. <laughs> it's just not fair. You monsters. Yeah. <laughs> right. Chapter eight. Chapter eight. Final chapter. So. Series one. We, the, uh, redemption. Is the name yes. of this episode, obviously. Um, the scouts, the scout troopers, yeah, <laughs> on their bikes. I they are 
brilliant. Again, we, we mentioned the, the light-hearted moments and the humour um, in this episode. They are perfect for this, where they're just like talking about, oh, yeah, he came in and he already shot a bunch of the local troopers. Yeah. Wait, did you say he killed his own men? Oh, yeah, you know, these big imperials, they need to come down. They need to lay down the law when they arrive in town. Yeah. It's just like, but still, damn. It's the, it's the, it's the second radio message where he's like, uh, we're still waiting. He's like, <laughs> we're still waiting. yeah, he just he just killed an, an imperial officer for um, taking his time or whatever he says. And he's like, yeah, I just I'll just be patient with Arjay. I love yeah. it. Um, OK, standing by. I got uh, the little back and forth between the stormtroopers is great. It's the perfect way to show that the troopers in this time frame are hired guns, unlike the first order troopers. Yeah, so yeah, they're not. They've definition. got some brainwashed. They're a little bit more. They're just recruits, aren't they? Yeah. Um, but when the stormtrooper punches Grogu, I want to <laughs> fuck him up. I want to <laughs> jump into my TV and bring all manner of violence upon his <laughs> fucking helmeted head. How dare um, you punch Grogu? He does it twice as well. He's like, yeah. shut up, shut up. Jeez. <laughs> and it was like, we should check on him. You know, you did hit him pretty hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you Do just want to have a look. Yeah, you just want to see him. It's like, yeah, but he might need a drink. Oh, I love it. Yeah, I love all that, that. That'd be that'd be that'd be us if we were in Star Wars. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We'd just be like, <laughs> although I'd like to think even you are a better shot than they are because that scene where they're yes. trying to shoot the the little thing. And yeah. then they just they just both, both look at their blasters like oh, oh. <laughs> they allude to it earlier, don't they? With, with that Mayfeld kind of yeah. comment, uh, like you just show it here. Yeah. Like, <laughs> the thing that all Star Wars fans have been saying since the dawn of Star Wars: stormtroopers don't shoot very well. No, now we see it play out on we screen. See it played out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and it is that that is they're always always that bad bad workman blames his tools where they like. Yeah, it's funny because you've seen previously um, the stormtroopers have gotten much better shots in this. All the bad guys have because uh, Din's armor is constantly getting shot and yeah. making that really cool ting noise as it as it blocks the shot. Um, and we saw the one carrying Grogu shot Quill from the yeah. back of his bike, like boom, down. Um, and yet here they are standing six foot away from something yeah, and their blaster pistols just, pew, 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 just fucking <laughs> everywhere but where they're aiming. <laughs> I love that. It's, it's a brilliant moment. <laughs> Apparently, in a galaxy far, far away, the only way to protect your kids is to hide them in a hole in the ground. <laughs> Jin Erso? Yeah. Jin Jaro? Yeah. It's, Quick. It seems to be a, Find a, a recurring theme. Yeah. All kids <laughs> Get down the to cellar. the cellar. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but on the, uh, I mean, we finally get the full flashback scene, yeah. which explains Din's distrust of droids. Yeah, obviously, um, his rescue in that by a Death Watch is very reminiscent of Jango Fett's rescue in the old EU comic uh, Open Season, which okay. is basically uh, Jango's origin story of how he gets adopted into the Mandalorians. Um, and it's very similar because the Mandalorians are there doing something else. Jin is just, uh, Django is just caught in the crossfire as a child. His parents are killed. And I think it's Jasta Muriel is the ma the Mando who rescues him and adopts him into the, the old EU style of, of Mandalorian culture rather than the 
fanatical death watch that we get here but yeah i liked i like that because it was a nice that's a nice reference again if it's not something you know you don't get the reference but it doesn't take anything away from what's happening on screen is that a reference or a retcon they were like i really like that but that's in the old eu and that's probably it's a reference it's it's, again it's them taking something they liked in the old eu which is being done a lot repurposing it you're repurposing it it's it's yeah it's a reference it's not a retcon because we haven't heard how Django became a mandalorian we get the references that oh he's not you're not a real mandalorian you're a clone or whatever but um yeah i i I really liked that little reference um there's a lot of exposition in this show in general but there is bare exposition in this episode (laughs) There's a there's a lot going on that there's no reference for until it happens. Yeah. So you kind of need these explanations that they they squeeze in. <laughs> there's a few scenes when they're when they're cornered in the um in the cantina that mm. are just every single word of dialogue is exposition. It's all revealing something yeah. else that you didn't know. I mean, fucking um, what's the name? Moff Gideon's first sentences are all exposition. Yeah. <laughs> Everything he says, it's like, oh, you're Din Djarin. And it's like, yeah. boom, we've got a name for him. You're, and you know, you're from here. You are, what do they call it? Karasynthia Dune yeah. from Alderaan. You're like, boom, okay, we've got that. Grief Karga, you're disgraced magistrate. Boom, there we go. Suddenly, these characters who we've only had names and what they've done on screen, yeah. we now have names, we have backgrounds. And it's like, ah, and it's all just boom, boom, knowledge bonds constantly. <laughs> um, do you know why Moff Gideon wears black, almost Vader-esque armor and not the nifty grey uniforms usually associated with Moffs? Imperial Security Bureau. Oh, okay. ISB. That's They refer to him being ISB. Yeah, but... Okay, so... ISB wore black uniforms. ISB and a Moff, rather than just yeah. being a Moff. Well, okay. um, it was like uh, Tarkin. Tarkin was a general before yeah. he became a Moff. So he wore... Uh, the imperial army's olive drab sort of uniform yeah um which is why the oh, what's his name who we see get choked out by vader in a new hope he oh, was, I, I know you, man. Yeah. and he's where he wears that sort of uniform uh stormtrooper corps and isb wore black uniforms okay. uh i think general fleet wore gray uniforms i can't remember who wore white I think that was the fleet dress admirals and and fleet dress uniforms yeah, were the white ones that we see. Grand Ad, Grand Ad Admiral Thrawn. Thrawn wears white. white. Yeah. yeah, that's that, so they, that was like the the admiral's fleet yeah. uniform was white. Um, but yeah, that's why he wears black because he's ISB. And when, when you're a moth, you can wear whatever you want. Yeah. But a lot of them tend to continue wearing uniforms based around whatever they wore yeah, previously. Rank. Yeah. Yeah. Um, think back to my. My adventures with a mousetrap that I told you about earlier. <laughs> I need an IG-11, and he's back to infusion in my life. <laughs> Bacta gets, gets, um, Bacta also got some of the same upgrades as the battle droids, clearly. Yeah. Because, you know, Luke gets hit in the face, and he needs uh, a whole Submerge back a tank. for like a week. <laughs> that is, yeah. He's got, it's implied that uh, Din has brain damage. Yeah, and he just a uh, quick spray. There you go. A matter of hours, you'll be fine, mate. It's yeah. like what? And then seriously, not even hours later, like ten minutes later, he's fine. It's fine. It's it's fine. I can walk on my own. It's fine. Yeah. 
Yeah, and then it's all forgotten about because after that, he's fuck. He, he has firefights and goes flying with a jetpack that yeah. he hasn't been trained in since he was a child. Yeah. <laughs> I need me some of that shit, man. Yeah, Jesus. You, me both. Um, you can probably answer this. And it's probably something a lot of less uh, obsessive Star Wars fans listening to this pod <laughs> probably would like to know I haven't watched The Mandalorian. Why did the Imperials try and purge the universe of Mandalorians? I'm not 100% up on... It happens in Rebels. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, where it's covered in the last seasons of Rebels. But basically, I think the, Re- the, the Mandalorians weren't happy with the Imperials coming in and taking over. Yeah. In, the, in the expanded, in the old EU, um, the Imperials didn't do it. They established a garrison there in um i can't remember the name of the city but basically the mandalorian capital city yeah uh, and that was as far as they went because they decided it wasn't worth the hassle until they basically taken over the rest of the universe it was too big a fight for them to it would be quite too expensive while they were trying to you know build death stars and shit like that um so they kind of established a garrison there and largely let them get on with it because they could hire mandalorians when they needed and yeah yeah it was just easier to, to keep an eye on them rather than do anything about it. But I think in the current canon, uh, anyone knows better, feel free to correct me. Um, the Mandalorians were unified under the Ren clan with the Darksaber and basically decided to kick the Imperials off the planet. And the Imperials were like, fuck you guys. We're going to we're going to mess you up. And they purged the planet. Which okay. It's alluded that they've done that to other planets before because yeah, yeah, yeah. they don't like them. Uh, nobody likes the the empire um <clears throat> yeah and they basically like killed a whole bunch of them <laughs> sorry to put you on the spot with yeah another question but i have one Cara june mm. Re- rebel shock trooper who helped after endor how has she got no idea what a jedi is considering you know I, general Skywalker. I, it's that whole it's that whole weird um what what's the what's the word where people forget stuff? That medical oh. condition, amnesia. Oh, amnesia. It's, we- yeah. it, it's this weird Jedi amnesia where basically, if somebody doesn't see or be reminded about Jedi every two weeks, they yeah, just forget they just about forget. them. Yeah. It's it, it was re- it really happened a lot after the Clone Wars. Everyone got Jedi amnesia, and uh, yeah. you know, in the course of a matter of years, completely forgot they existed. But yeah, you would yeah. think, given yeah. The Given fact that she worked the timeline, yeah, the timeline. <laughs> who she's hanging out with? Time, as, as we discover at this point in time, Luke Skywalker is active in the galaxy. Yeah. He is recruiting and training Jedi. How does a former Republic drop trooper not, not know? know? Yeah. I. Pff, it boggles my mind. Um, I got I got a few more notes. Um, the shot where the blacksmith Mando. Shatters mm. the stormtrooper's helmet. Yeah, it's fantastic. When they're fighting, and you just see that bottom half just shatter, just shatter away so when she good. smacks it with her hammer. Yeah, yeah, she's a, she's a very interesting character, um, yes. and I would like to know what happens to her because obviously we see that the 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 cover has either been wiped out or fled. I mean, yeah. I do have the question of a: How did they kill all those Mandos? Yeah. B: Why were the Mandos still there? Because Din even says to them, "You'll have to relocate the covert." 
Yeah, now, says, expose yourself. And he's way. like, yeah. this is the way. And it's like, okay, so you guys are going to fuck off somewhere. And then apparently they stuck around long enough for... Imperials to hunt them down. Enough Imperials to hunt them down. It's like, it doesn't make much sense. The rest of them are all either dead or gone. Yeah. And yet she's still there, smelting down their armor. And it's like, I think she's going to, she'll come back. If we are right in our predictions that series three will be about the emancipation of Mandalore. Yeah. Then I think she'll come back. She'll be a part of the crew. They'll go back and get her for some reason. Like, we need some more armor. It will be, it will be, yeah. Um, what's her name? Bo-Katan will be wanting yeah. to, to, you know, upgrade armor and, and outfit other Mandalorians ready to retake Mandalore. Um, and that will add an ideological conflict. Yeah. Because we've already seen, obviously, we, as we discover in season two, massive spoilers here, but the Death, Death Watch um, are regarded by true Mandalorians as fanatics with the yeah. whole don't take your helmet off thing. Um, so if they need to recruit the armorer, the blacksmith, yeah. to to you know actually work for them. There's going to be that ideological conflict because Dinjarin is starting to see, outside of the cult, if you will, yeah. other Mandalorians who are Mandalorians, um, but don't live by that very restrictive yeah. thing of don't take your helmet off sort of thing. Um, and then she will be very much no, this is the way. And then you'll have Bo-Katan going, don't be a dick. <laughs> yeah. I think um, it's. I think definitely with the whole no helmet thing or the helmet situation in general yeah we do see it obviously play out in season two when he has to take it off but i think they're laying seeds for like you said like a bigger kind of yeah mandalorian civil war at some point where you've got some that believe one thing yeah it's gonna be i think it's gonna be more ideological than actual physical combat because there's not enough mandalorians we've already kind of had the mandalorian civil war um alluded to in rebels and stuff like that so i think you'll see it will be more on a personal sort of level a small scale internal conflict for din i think yeah Uh, at least that's my uh that's my take on on it looking forward um little pointless bit of trivia that most people listening to this will probably already know but a lot of the tks in navarro all the shiny white ones uh, uh, stormtroopers sorry tks is how um Star Wars costuming nerds like me refer to Stormtroopers. Okay. Um, uh, a lot of them in the Navarro uh, scenes were actually recruited from the local 501st garrison ah. because production didn't have enough of the clean suits to ah. have all those people there. And they obviously yeah. wanted live action actors rather than CG. CG so they yeah. reached out to the local 501st garrison who obviously leapt at the chance oh, to be on yeah. set. And yeah, most of them there uh, were actual just costumers in their, uh-huh. their stormtrooper armor who were brought in for the, for the shots, for the shoot. Um, to stand there and look, look cool. Look cool. Um, there's, there's a lot of there's seen, uh, shots floating around online, which shows the garrison posing with uh, Dave Filoni and co. Yeah. Uh, in sort of production shots, all a big group shot of them, all with their lids off, sort of like grinning like idiots, because they're like, yeah, oh, I'm in Star Wars. <laughs> Finally. For, for for all of my misgivings around the Disneyverse, if I got a call to go oh, and star yeah. in Star Wars, I would be there at, in a yeah. shop. <laughs> all your principles would go out the window. You'd They'll go out the like, window because it. then I'd say, yep, I was in Star Wars, motherfucker. <laughs> I'd probably get kicked off of the set by telling them all the things they were doing wrong yeah, according yeah. to my interpretation of the law. And I, I would be like... Um, you do your Mickey Mouse impression. 
Yeah. <laughs> just get shot. Um, I'd, I'd be like Saria McKellen was on this set of Lord of the Rings. He yeah. kept pulling up uh, whilst his chops, he was directing it because he's a big Tolkien fan yeah. and he can reference bits in the, in the book sort of thing. And he kept doing that to, um, to the, the production crew. But obviously Peter, he got Jackson. Peter Jackson, that's his, name. that's his name. He kept doing that to Peter Jackson, but obviously he can do that because he's Saria McKellen. Yeah. I'm not. I'm I'm a co-host of some two-bit podcast where we talk about pegging a lot, except in this episode. Um, if you tell him your name's Saruni, the submissive. <laughs> <laughs> See, you can tell you can tell when we're 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 doing a Star Wars episode because we suddenly get very serious, earnest, very sensible, yeah. and very earnest about the whole thing because it's like this is something we genuinely love, and all the pegging jokes go out the window. It's really yeah. Cool. I'm 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 not gonna leave Star Wars fans with a bad taste in their mouth. No, exactly. We, we can tell who we really want to appeal to here, who we yeah. really want on side. Yeah. Um, <laughs> an R2 unit with legs. That's new. That's... I mean, astromech droids in this series get a really rough deal yeah. because they all die. <laughs> Basically, any astromech we see in series one gets shot, blown up, or in a, some other way gets destroyed. Um Oh, apart from that first one, who's piloting the speeder, who just gets dismissed yeah. because apparently, because, you know, Din doesn't trust uh, droids. Is, it, is but, it a clever way of showing that R2 is unique, is one in a million? I think Not so, all astromex droids have the personality that R2 has or are capable of doing luck. what he does. Yeah. Because, I mean, R2 does a lot. He plays yeah. a big part in the Clone Wars. He plays a big part in uh, the the... The prequels, the, the Civil War, the prequels, he's huge in the original trilogy. He plays a huge part, he even plays yeah. a fairly sizable part in the, the sequels. Um, and he survives. And yeah. we see other astromech droids just getting killed but, left, yeah. right, and center. <laughs> you know, it's just like, and then you start thinking about, oh, R2, actually, you know, you did pretty well to survive yeah. that far. <laughs> I think it's a little way of saying, like, you know, not all astromech droids can do what R2 does. Not yeah, R2 is something special. Yeah, yeah, it really does. And it really does drive that home because the others, as we see in this this series, even in this episode, Kara June just jams a blaster into its dome yeah. and, and fries it. Um, RG-11 self-sacrifice truly makes him a hero. But I have two notes on this. The first oh. one is... Oh, anything you start with, right. Then right, right. Listen here, you little shit. No, no, no. This isn't one of those. It did sound like it, admittedly, but no. Yeah. The redemption of the title of this episode yeah. is IG-11, right? Yeah. It's got to be. It's it's his redemption arc. Despite everything else going on, the only redemption arc in this is IG-11. Yeah. Um, because obviously we see him in episode one and he tries to kill Grogu. The baby. And in yeah. this one, he sacrifices himself to save Grogu. Yeah. Um, and he finally gets to self-destruct, which he's been trying to do since we first met. Yeah. My second note on this, I will read it as I wrote it. Okay. Damn it. Don't make me cry over a fucking droid again. Fucking yeah. Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, God damn it. Don't make me care for these CG, not even alive characters. It's not fair, Star Wars. It's Stop like, it. there's so many of them in the Star Wars universe, but every now and then they give you one that's got just got a cracking personality or. Mm -hmm. It's just above and beyond a normal droid, and then suddenly you're like, what is it, KS11 or whatever his name is in in Rogue One? There's yep. 
all these little droids that come into the story at some points so that you're like, oh, I wish he was my friend. Uh, and then they <laughs> fucking kill him. And you're like, God damn it. Again, really pushing, really pushing the R2 and 3PO yeah. are something special because yeah. it's it, it, marked. Well, you get the impression that, you know, droids are, they are, although we do have actual slavery in the Star Wars universe, they are the slaves. Oh, yeah. Slaves. Yeah, yeah. You know, because they are even, they are, are ranked even lower on the pecking order they're by, like, by some people. They're there to, to do like protocol. They're au pairs. They're, they've got all the jobs that. They're, they're a tool, basically, yeah, aren't basically, they? They, they, yeah. are, they are a tool. Um, and we, it kind of, a lot of the good guys, the proper good guys we see, treat droids with respect. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. you look at like, the, even, uh, you've got Anakin, Luke, Leia. Even Han, yeah, you know, looks after the droids to look after three PO and things like that. And they are they are the good guys. They are the paragons of, yeah. of goodness in the that Star Wars true. universe. <laughs> and, you, um, and you kind of that that's kind of their one of their redeeming features is that they yeah. regard droids as Human. other sentients. Yeah. Without you know, Din has to go through this whole arc where he hates droids. He he distrusts droids and eventually he's like he's trying to convince him ig11 not to, yeah. not sacrifice himself not just because it will blow him up as well but because he genuinely doesn't want him to die yeah um and it's it's yeah it's it's it really does drive home how special see 3po and r2 yeah. and i suppose by expansion ex, um extension bb8 although i don't like bb8 uh, like really BB8. are because they not only survive but they are treated as equals yeah. by most of the people around them which as we see is quite an unusual quite a rare thing for a droid <laughs> bb8 was just a, it was just a case of like all right you love c3po and r2 is the droid for your for the it's, new generation you know and who, then someone managed to f- figure out how to make radio control versions of them and uh, yeah uh, the sphero droids yeah um I actually have one of the the <coughs> Sphero R2D2s. Okay. And it's really cool. He is he is very cool. I didn't get the BB8 because I don't like BB8. Um yeah. but BB8 to me is Poochie. Yes. Yeah. He is Poochie because he's he's cooler. He's hipper. He's got more of an attitude than, yeah. than R2. He's like he's cool, he's hip, but actually no he's not. He's no just a gimmick and he was he was a toy advert he really is oh absolutely yeah um, yeah here we go one of my favorite lines in all of season one series one <laughs> come on baby do the magic hand do the thing. magic hand thing <laughs> i have the same line written down <laughs> it's, it's brilliant it's the way that he, he kind of he likes to check what he wants waving his hands. And he just moves his hand and waves it to him. it's perfect it's brilliant. <laughs> yeah i love that Although it did make me wonder, what did Grief Cargo do with his Beskar? Because he shows yeah. uh, Din that he's got, yeah, he got two, two. two yeah. ingots of, and, of says, like, in there, and it saves his life. He says, "I'm rich now." He, yeah. yeah, he says, "It saves his life because that's where Din shoots him, and he yeah. pulls it out afterwards." And as we know, and as we see, that's not enough. That doesn't even scratch Beskar. I like yeah. the fact that he's wearing the same jacket as well. Yeah. When they arrive back on Navarro, he's still got the little blaster hole right oh, where he yeah. shot him. But what did what did Grief do with it? I mean, he says he's rich, 
But then he can't have had much opportunity to actually spend that money no, because the Imperials came in and took over. Yeah. Um, so it's like, yeah, what, what does he do? I'd, I'd be interested to know. Like, maybe find we'll out, maybe circle he, back to that. Maybe he's, he's got like a he's got a bullet a blaster proof vest underneath yeah. his jacket, just made of that Beskar. That would be brilliant. That's what I'd do. Um, <laughs> I said this earlier with the what I call whispering birds, but the minute Ding gets the rocket pack, you know it's going <laughs> to come in handy. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. You're like, like oh, you've got that right before the finale of the series. I guess we're going to see you using that pretty soon. See you using that, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know how he can use his rocket pack and not burn his cape. Yeah, that is a a frequently remarked thing yeah. in that uh, even Boba Fett has one. Yeah. In uh, Empire and the new and. Uh, Jedi, when he uses that to flit around from the yeah. different sail barges, he has a cape and it still doesn't set it on fire. There's been various things that there are electromagnetic fields around it to stop, to project the cones of fire where they're supposed to be, that the, the capes are flame proof or, you know, something like that. Yeah. It's just a, it's, it's, it's a, a rule of cool. cool. Yeah. It really is. That's capes awesome. are cool. Therefore, you can fly around with a jetpack and a cape and it doesn't set fire to it. I do, after re-watching this, I do want to add a cape, uh, at least Mando. a quarter cape to my Mando yeah. because there's a couple of scenes, there's this one in particular where he comes in and he's got it draped over one shoulder Yeah. and it's swaying there and he comes swaggering in and I'm like, no, yeah, that looks really well, cool. Well, that's what they, <laughs> they do that in season, oh, fucking series two, a lot is yeah. when he's got the rocket pack the capes coming down the one side, one side, just yeah. like Boba's does. Yeah, because his um, does drape over the back. <laughs> Berrien Quill is another visual representation of how good Din's character is yeah. at this at this point in his story. Arc. Yeah, I don't think in episode one he's doing that, but I think no. by episode eight he's got he's found a certain amount of humanity. It's and it, it's the right thing to do, isn't yeah, it? So yeah. he does it. No questions asked. He just he's like Quill died, yeah, doing something I'd asked him to do. It's the right thing for me to do to bury him and and honor him in that yeah. way, sort of thing. It's like I yeah. know I need to get off this planet because they're all fucking gunning for me. I haven't yeah. got much time, but I can't leave without doing this. So I yeah. have to fit this in. It's I have it's a little that. visual nod to just his character in general. Yeah, without having to say it. Without exposition, you just see that yeah. one thing. And Again, like, it's another another visual yeah, nod to it. Yeah. And a, a, yeah, I I, ha- I only have one more note, and it's more of a roundup note. Quite right. a short. I have previous roundups. <laughs> I have one last note, and then we'll get to yours. Um, the dark saber cutting through the tie fighter's hole yeah. is a great way of it making its first appearance in a live yes. action show. Yeah, yeah. I'm not really expecting like that. that. No, You're not. And you just see it protrude from the hole and you're like motherfucker you're kind of like, you, a dark saber oh, like oh we got to the end of that and it's like wow yeah moff gideon was evil but they took him out i can't wait to see how they're gonna go on season two and then all of a sudden it's like oh jawas that's the tie fighter he's not yeah. dead and then and you kind of expect to see him crawl out but you don't you see it go through the hull and you're like yeah. wait he's a he's still alive yeah b that's the motherfucking dark saber. How has he, st- how has he yeah. got the dark saber? And then you're like, and then yeah, it kind of, you think about what Din says. Um, he was an, he was uh, an ISB officer during the night of a thousand tears yeah. when they attacked Mandalore. So it must've been some point during the purge of Mandalore. Yeah. Oh, and then you're like, so that's going to be, he's the big bad for season yeah. two. 
he's the big uh, bad for the whole thing, right? Yeah. It's like, yeah. oh, yeah, and it really does set up season two very well because you're like, you you start bringing in these other yeah. plot lines from other series, you know, because the Dark Saber was, was a was a big plot point at the end of uh, Rebels, it, obviously. It crops up in Clone Wars, which is why I know what it is. Yeah, because sorry, that's what I was saying. Rebels. In the Clone yeah. Wars, because um, obviously the whole Mandalore arc um, of Clone yeah. Wars features that. And then right at the end with uh, Maul, yeah, he has it before he's defeated there. And then in Rebels, it comes back because Sabine uh, finds it, recovers it, and returns it to Mandalore. And there's, there's a whole big Siege of Mandalore, Purge of Mandalore arc in Rebels, which, again, I haven't seen. I've only seen referenced online. So I think I might have to bite the bullet and watch Rebels, you know? Yeah, I'm going to have to before season three because... I mean, we've so, got a while, but <laughs> yeah. I just, yes, there's so many things that I'm like, I don't quite get get that. And people are like, oh, it's from Rebels. And I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake. Yeah. I'm kind of hoping it follows the same trajectory as Clone Wars, which is when I first started watching it, I was like, I'm not sure about this. This is, <laughs> this is for kids. I'm not really sure I should be watching this. But yeah. as it progresses, as Ahsoka grows older, yeah, the show gets darker. The show matures with it. Yeah. And I'm hoping, yeah, I'm hoping like I, maybe that happens in Rebels. I was I was all in for Clone Wars right from the beginning because it was something I'd wanted to see for a while. Was the Clone Wars? And yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I so I was, that. I was sold was more, that right from the start. I was in. I was like, wow, the Clone Wars. They talk about this in the first twenty minutes of A New Hope. Like, yeah, this has been around since the dawn of Star Wars. I need to see it. And then I watched a couple of episodes, and I was like, oh, this is the kiddie version. <laughs> I'm gonna keep watching it because it's Star yeah. Wars, and I'm starved of Star Wars. But <laughs> I'm not really sure at my age I should be watching it. But by the time you get to that final season, I, especially the last few episodes, yeah. you're like, "Oh, this is not for kids whatsoever." No, it's there's it's, a few. It, it does does grow up a lot. Um, from from season three onwards, yeah. I think is where it starts to grow up and gets because that's where the people, like you said, they they brought in young people, yeah. kids. Watching Ahsoka, and Ahsoka is a Mary Sue done right. Yeah. Because she comes in and she is what every kid watching it wants to be. Oh, yeah, definitely. She's yeah. this sassy young Jedi Padawan, and they can really see themselves reflected in her. And then as that she grows, the series grows with her. And as the um, viewer grows. As the viewer is growing. Yeah. Yeah. So that by the time they get to season seven of Clone Wars and that final that final arc, the final Marvel yeah. arc in, in Clone Wars, they've grown to the point where they can appreciate the darker adult themes yeah. being dealt with there. Yeah. And it's it's clever because it's they've been weaving these darker themes into it and they start fairly early on. Yeah. Um but they're and they're adult themes, but they're not when when you say, Oh yeah, you know, there there are adult themes, people immediately yeah. think sexual. Sex and drugs. it's not. There is there is no sex, there are no drugs. No. These are darker. These are more cerebral adult themes. Yeah. You know, dealing with betrayal <coughs> and and uh, personal growth and the general hostility of the universe. Yeah. Which till that point, it's, it's been a very, it's been a very good and evil. Yeah. Thing and it's around it sort of way more grey. The, the longer the get war, very grey. Yeah. Even the I Jedi know. find themselves doing more and more questionable things, yeah. just to 
to stay alive and to keep the republic alive and you start it's no longer black and white everything is shades of gray and that's that's a very important lesson i think for people to, to if not to learn they need to be aware of that they yeah. need to be aware of the shades of gray because nothing's black and white these days oh no not if so it not. ever was <laughs> i'm sure i'm sure there was a time a very simple time, time when things were yeah. black and white but the the older you get the more you realize that the world is just different shades of gray yeah um have you got an overall it's a very short one uh, season series one season one however you want right. to refer to it because we've been doing both yeah. it's it can be very split on general on general lines of into two parts there's world building and exposition and setting up new characters and situation for later use you know, yeah. ignoring the characters and, and the, the, the actual development and the growth of the story, you can split this like you can look at each episode and divide it into one of two parts. Yeah, it's either world building and exposition or it's setting something up for future, for future. reference. It's and basically the whole of season one is setting up season two. Season two. Yeah. Yeah. But it does it in such a way that you you don't realize but your first time you don't realize that and yeah. watching it back, even when you know it. It do, it's not detrimental. No, God, no. It doesn't no. take anything away from the quality of the show, which I think is the show gets better. Team. The show gets better with rewatch. That's yeah. what I was, I was going to say about the Clone Wars. When I've rewatched the Clone Wars, there are certain episodes I will skip. Mostly episodes that revolve around R2 and C3PO. <laughs> yeah, a lot of those, they're filler. They're clearly the ones that are thrown in there for the kids. Yeah. Um, but on rewatch value, this show just gets better. Yes. Once you're starting to get, once you've seen enough that you're starting to get the context of it, you're like, it just gets better every time you watch it. Every yeah. time. Yeah. It, it's, 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 it's deeper, and the more, yeah. the more you watch it, there are things that make you go, well, "What is? What's that?" And then you go away and you look that up. Yeah. And it adds more context, more yeah. texture to that universe. So when you rewatch that episode again six months later, you know that, and it's got a whole. Yeah. deeper significance because of this other thing that it made you look up before yeah which yeah it's it's very clever and you can tell it's being made by people who are star wars fans well, they're not in it to make a quick book oh the no. people and the people the showrunners the, the showrunners are star wars fans yeah i mean which, let's not get it wrong these motherfuckers are getting paid oh, they are getting paid yeah but, but it's not this a is a labor of love this is yeah. like us doing podcasts where we make no money. We do it because we love it. Exactly. And, and it, that comes across. I think it comes across in the overall thing of the of the pod. We're not just here trying to make money off people. Um, yeah. But it's made by people that have real reverence. And choosing Favreau was the most genius masterstroke they have ever had at Disney. Because let's not forget, this is the man that the entire Marvel Universe is built on the back of. Yeah. Yeah. If Iron Man hadn't worked, we would never have got to Endgame. And no. Favreau smashed Iron Man to the point that they managed to get to Endgame because the yeah. first one was so good. <laughs> so bringing yeah. him in on Mandalorian is like, okay, you know what Marvel did with this interconnected <laughs> universe? We want to do that. We want to um, do that, but we're Star Wars. And most of the TV shows, because we've really got to push Disney Plus. Do you think you could give us an Iron Man? And that's what Mandalorian is. It's the thing that the future of Star Wars is going to be built on the back yeah, of. Yeah, off the back of this 
I don't think also, people I really put enough respect on Favreau's name, you know. I, I really, I really like his cameo as well. Yes. In this, because um, Dave Filoni gets one. Yeah. In the the prisoner episode, because he's one of the X wing pilots, um, and arguably Favreau gets a better one because he's the heavy infantry Mando. Yeah. That um, comes in and has the brief knife fight with Din, yeah. and gets the big cannon. And gets to do the uh, Sky Captain Rocketeer yeah. fingers, two finger salute as he jetpacks off into the sunset sort of thing, which is really nice. And I didn't pick up on it at first. I didn't. Now it... going back and rewatching it, now that I know it's him, it's very yeah. clearly him. You can Obviously, hear his yeah. voice. Yeah. But I didn't pick up on it at first. No. And it's right. I like I really like that. I like the little uh, the little cameos in there. <laughs> going forward, mm. Cara June. Yes. Do you think she'll be the lead in Rangers of the New Republic? I could see that happening. Yes, that's she's built to a marshal of the Republic, and it takes place in the same timeline, the same yeah. spatial area. It's all in the outer rim. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I can see her, if not lead. being a lead, she will definitely be, uh, be a recurring protagonist. I think. Yeah. Um. Who else we got? Let's just figure out where everyone's going to go in future. Um, well, Grief Karga. Obviously, yeah. he's there on Navarro with Kara. So anything, fe- at least. The first appearance of Kara, I think, will feature grief. Him. Yeah, I think he'll recur. He'll be a recurring character. Ahsoka, obviously, has her own fucking got her own show. Boba she's got her own show. Got Boba own show. got his own show featuring Fennec Shand. Yeah. Um, who Mayfield. else? Mayfeld. I, I would like to see him reappear. Going antagonist in yeah. the Mandalorian. I I think he'll reappear. I think he'll pop up in. Several any other any other shows set in the outer rim in that time period oh, has think, potential to feature him. Do you think he'll be like Rosario Dawson in the in the Netflix Marvel things where she's in every single thing? She's the glue that yeah he'll pop up. of the he'll, defenders. He'll, yeah, yeah, okay. He'll be um yeah will, will appear. It'll be a kind of a go-to character. He'll pop up in different shows, having you know he'll be hero of the week sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, Moff Gideon. Do you think, because we obviously now now know that Rangers of the New Republic, the Mandalorian and Ahsoka are going to yeah. cross over and cross end over. on a massive fight finale crossover. Do you think it'll be Moff Gideon that they're fighting? Or do you think Gideon will be, again, no, like they did be... with the client and they escalated yeah. it? Do you think they'll It's going to be it? another big bat. Again. Well, it's all, it was already revealed that it's going to build to uh, the, the the appearance of the the first order. Yeah, yeah. The, the first order so, have got to appear at some point, and I think the first order is going to appear. That will be the the big bad. Gideon smoke. is is currently working for some kind of imperial remnant, or yeah. you know, and the imperial this imperial remnant is going to become the, the first, first order. order. Um, so, and I think that's that's. <clears throat> I don't know. Uh, probably it probably won't be either I don't think it'll be either I think it will be some kind of shadowy first order figure the first order will will arise like the empire does in a new hope it's just this shadowy big bad organization it's a faceless thing Um, there will be representatives of it but I don't know if they will go so far as to name people like Snoke or Palpatine or or what have you if Palpatine is the big bad, that goes a long way 
to saving Rise of Skywalker. It goes a long way to retconning most of the the, the, the sequels. Yeah, because, because they could just go... That came out... Yeah, Palpatine arrives, arrives here. Bosh, here you go. Yeah, that, come, <laughs> that came out of nowhere in the sequels. That, oh my mm. God, we need someone. Fuck it, we'll use Palpatine. But if Palpatine, Palpatine is the big bad at the end of all these seasons together, then that almost kind of gives you the... It's like foreshadowing of what's going to happen in Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. Now... If they really are working on a four-hour version of Rise of Skywalker, where they're bringing in the Dark Acolyte, they're bringing in all of the Jedi's that apparently were cut out of yeah. the end, then the idea of using Palpatine as the big bad really works because they're not doing what we suggest they do, which is scrap the sequels and scrap the make sequels. them right They're, they're covering to it down. But they're going to fix that one. Yeah. One of the ways they're going to fix that one, I think, is by bringing Palpatine in earlier on. Whether or not it's just by whether we may not see him, we just may hear um, the Emperor has said, go and do this, or the Emperor said, go and do that. Yeah. And it could be Snoke, or it could be another version. It'll be some oblique reference, or yeah, yeah, you'll, the voice of the Emperor, or the hand of the Emperor, something like that. Yeah. There'll be some reference, I think, to. To him, if that's if that's what they're actually doing, yeah, um, yeah, they will do something along those. They'll like, they'll either go like you say, they'll have a double down to to fix the fix. broken sequels, yeah. um, or they'll go the other way, the more the, the left field one, in and they'll just retcon the whole thing out of existence <laughs> and set up something it. new. I mean, half I, the I, actors they don't want to be involved in it anymore. So yeah, exactly. So they're gonna have to. Yeah, they've got to do something one way or the yeah. other because they can't they can't get Finn and and what have you back in for it. Um, is a what's his name getting a series? Dameron, Poe Dameron. Yes, Poe's getting a series, but He's that's set, his own obviously series. in the that's set pre original trilogy, so that's set in his timeline. So it's like a prequel, from what I understand. It's everything he does for the rebellion leading up to the beginning of Rogue One. So uh, all, okay. whenever he says like I've done. Dark no, 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 no! You're getting Cassian Endor confused with Poe Dameron. Okay, yeah, I don't know about Poe Dameron. Poe. You know the the, the poor man's wedge like, Antilles. Yeah, Cassian's, Cassian's, Cassian's get Endor. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Cassian's getting his own series. I don't know is, about Poe. Is Dameron getting one? Oh, I yeah, can't. I mean, I wasn't a big fan of of him. Although I suppose if he does, he he won't get a series. If he's going to crop up anywhere, it will probably be uh, Rogue Squadron. Yeah. 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 Um. Mm. I'm gonna, okay. uh, gonna. What I'm gonna do next week is clear an entire day to record series two because we've done nearly four hours and series two's got twice as many talking points as series one. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm gonna clear the whole weekend just to just just, case, just to deal to just record. to deal with this. Yeah. <laughs> On that note, find what you love, believe in it. Positive things will happen. This, this is, is the way. way.